Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw. Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome in. Busy Monday is what we're calling this. Busy Monday. That's good. Mondays that are busy, Mondays that are more interesting, and half the weekend was really good if you're a local sports fan, and the other half, the front half, not so much, was it? In terms of Saturday, you get everything started and you watch IU play at Penn State, and and that, unfortunately, for IU fans, is what you just have grown accustomed to, and that is entirely problematic. That's just what you expect? You just expect that. And I really, I I mean, you look at it this way, and a lot of people suggest that, you know, this is different if they lose out. I will say this. It is different for Mike Woodson if they lose out. I think I saw somebody put up, if they lose out, and let's just say they go in the direction of buying out, how much in buyouts that IU ha- has gone through in recent history. And then you got to think about, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, with Dennis Dye of CBS coming up a little bit later on regarding NIL. And uh, now, because of that ruling on Friday, the transformation that that is is going to go through once again. Basically, you're just going to be talking employees. And then at some point, you know, employees and um, what unions. And to me, at some point, I guess other than the mid-majors that I I love, like Indiana State, it's going to be tough to look at the high majors Basketball-wise, for example, because, all right, well, that's great. You're paying them. Uh, They get to go ahead and negotiate their own fees. So I'll just stay with the NBA. I'll just stay watching the NBA. And then I'll just recognize them when they get there. Or we'll be watching, you know, G League games. I know that oftentimes people kind of point the finger and say, hey, you're just an old fart. You really don't get it. And that may incredibly be true, but at the same time, I think I get it enough to where everything is going to be so mixed here. It's all going to be the same, and I'm going to go to what at the highest level might be. 
Like right now, I still enjoy it. I think a lot of people have already been turned away on it. I still enjoy it. You know, not watching IU and Penn State or not watching Butler and Seton Hall on Saturday. Yeah, Indiana State at home versus UIC, that works. Watching Purdue on the road in Michigan. That is a lot more at Michigan, is it not? If you watch that, Boilermaker fans, that's a lot more than just the kids being on spring break. I mean, hell, when do they go on spring break in Michigan anyway? I know you got to put up with Michigan for the wintertime, which is brutal enough, really any time of year, but certainly wintertime. So when do you go on spring break for like a month? But the Purdue Boilermaker fandom inside Chrysler Arena yesterday was much louder. Like it was a Boilermaker home game. That was pretty awesome. And we'll get to the Pacers coming up in a little bit. I People have asked me about the court storming thing. And it's just, it's going to take somebody being hurt and somebody suing the schools, right? Or suing the conferences after the schools or something. This is what it is going to, to take. Um, this probably makes me old as well. And believe me, if there's one thing that I stinking love in my life is my years in college. And you know what? I didn't rush the floor one stinking time, and I had a great time in college. There was never really a reason to rush the floor when I was in Terre Haute because Indiana State wasn't any good. They were good partiers. They just weren't good at putting together wins at the time. But I had a good time without storming the floor. I think I look back at my memories again as incredibly fondly without having to storm the floor. I've always said this, and I said this in terms of going all the way back to the brawl at the Palace of Auburn Hills with the Pacers and the Pistons. You don't need, if you're a fan, you don't need to be on the floor. It's funny. And this is just me, right? Does anybody else do this? This is twofold. And I mentioned this, my good friend John Darmelio and I were watching the semi-state, and we were watching Franklin and Center Grove the Saturday before last. I took my daughter over there to watch it, and I just bristled. And so did John, and I mentioned this to him at the time. I bristle when people with shoes that they are wearing that aren't playing in the game. You know, after the game, after the second game, you get fans from both sides just walking across the floor. Is anybody else that drives me nuts? And this comes from a guy as a kid that grew up where for a school fundraiser at Eastern Green at the time, they played a game called donkey basketball where they put actual donkeys, asses on the floor. And they had some some local notables from former NBA players, former college standouts getting on the back of these asses. And it's not like that they had a bag or anything tied to them. I mean, they're clip-clopping around on the floor and then, you know, dropping the deuce whenever they wanted to because they're donkeys. They don't know any better. They don't say, hey, hold on, let me call timeout. I got to go to the locker room. So I come from a place to where they allowed that, and that drove me nuts when I was eight. But even more so now, when you go to a high school game, try your damnedest to, like, walk around the floor and walk on the, I mean, it's like an extra 15 steps. 
I don't know if anybody else out there, I'm assuming if you have to tend to the floor or if it's coming out of your athletic budget as an AD or somebody that works within a basketball program, it probably drives you nuts too, but it really drives me nuts. I mean, nuts. So I can't imagine during a court storming, you have this pristine floor, not necessarily at Joel Coliseum in Winston-Salem, but, you know, a pristine floor. And all of a sudden, you got all these kids sprinting out of the stands in shoes where they just got salt and dirt and crap on and boots, scuffing up everything. Like, that almost drives me more nuts than the prospect or the possibility of one of these basketball players or somebody just in general, a student in general, being injured. Like, look at all these. I mean, you don't have basketball shoes on. You've been walking around everywhere, stepping in mud puddles. Stepping in dog crap and ER running out to the floor. That'd drive me insane. That's just me. I just don't think that you need to be out there. I don't think that makes me less fun, less enjoyable. Believe me, if you know me personally, you know I like to party. One of the reasons why I think I missed all last week, probably. I like to go out and have some fun when the fun is provided. That just, to me, has never been a, a case or a situation like, uh, what's the kid's name, Filipowski from Duke, that got hit on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, if you were him, I think if you get a bunch of kids running at you, you ought to just go ahead and turn and just like belt one that they're getting into your personal space like that. I mean, running at you, pushing you. And then all the defense of it, there is no defense when you just get a bunch of people running onto the floor. There's just not. There's no need for them to be there. Believe me, the after party is going to be in Winston-Salem, I'm sure, plenty for these kids without running, sprinting out onto the floor and doing that. And if that makes me old, that makes me old. But it is twofold there. It is, I can't believe you're allowing these knuckleheads to run out there and scuff the floor. I hate that. And then you allow it, allow them to run out and talk junk to the players and get in their face and all that. Seriously, you run out there, it's kind of like the Pacers and the Pistons. I felt at that time back during the brawl, you run out onto the floor and you square off against Ron Artest, you get what you deserve. If you're that stupid or that drunk, you get what you deserve. And if that's five fingers in the grill, then that's five fingers in the grill. I mean, those two little short, fat dudes back in 2004 are still lucky that Jermaine O'Neal slipped. I just don't think that it is necessary. I don't think that it matters. And I think it should be easily to move on from such a thing, but... Yeah, we'll see. It's probably going to take a lawsuit of some kind, right? I would imagine. You guys, seriously, though, does anybody else get driven nuts? This is completely different. When after a high school basketball game, like all the fans like walk onto the floor, doesn't that drive you nuts? I, I, I give a lot of respect to those that have the ropes ready made and just like in all four corners hold them up so you can't go out there. Maybe that's just me. And I, I do think this. I do think, I do think that it comes from somebody that loves basketball. Because if you love basketball like that, you don't want everybody like traipsing and trudging all over the floor in their street shoes. 
And that comes from when you play someplace, you walk in in shoes you wear outside and you put on shoes you're going to play on the floor. Yeah, things drive me nuts. That's one of the things that certainly drives me nuts. I'm sure if you want to get into that, we can on the other side. And I'm sure that makes me incredibly old. And if it does, whatever. Philip Kowski, if he were to turn and just deck somebody, it's somebody else's fault, right? Somebody else's fault. <laughs> I just saw, and, and I'm sure that it's a, a select few. I saw a select few that were defending Wake Forest. You need to go into defense mode after something like that because everybody's just riding your ass. Everybody nationally is riding on you. Well, I thought he stuck his leg out. I thought he was the one that made contact. He had a horde of students running straight at him. What do you want this guy to do? Like what, ball up into the fetal position out there? What do you expect him to do? There was no security, no nothing. I would expect him to do, if anybody got in his personal space or his grill like that, to deck somebody. I know that makes me a bad person, but so be it. Stay off the floor. Seriously, stay off the floor. Unless you're playing or you're coaching or you're running out there to lop up some sweat or you're out there during the halftime show doing something on your unicycle, tossing up dishes and balancing that. Or if you go out there, make sure that they put some sort of carpeting down. Stay off the floor. Stay off the floor. And then ultimately what it's going to take is somebody getting sued. Yeah, I know. Everything, you're right. What do you think happens at high school gym floors literally every day? Drives me insane. You're right about that. Kids are all over the place. But... Most of these gyms, I should say most of these schools now have other facilities. Like we had one gym. Most of them have other facilities where, all right, so if you're doing PE class, then you're going to do it over here. It's just how I've always felt. Or at least when I went to school, they said, all right, we want you to have PE shoes and then, you know, shoes that you wear all day. And you know where I'm from, you know how that went down. Like I know my, my guys, the Burnett family, they weren't going like shake loose of their cowboy boots anytime soon, so that wasn't going to happen. Now, I hate it. I do hate it, and it's probably still not going to end. And if I guess if it's down curmudgeon makes me sound like an old fart, then so be it on that. Don't need to be out there. So don't. Very easy, right? We can hit that. Pacers a winner yesterday. I thought that that was the most impressive win of the season for the Pacers. From start to finish, that was a team in Dallas that had won seven straight. A team in Dallas with Luka and Kyrie Irving that have plenty of firepower. In fact, you would think even got better with a couple of additions. I mean, one with P.J. Washington, uh, the other with Daniel Gafford. At the trade deadline, they went out and tried to get better. They got rid of a guy like Grant Williams, who evidently reportedly was being a pain in the ass, and then bring in somebody offensively and then somebody defensively that can help you out. But the thing that impressed me the most about the Pacers, and we'll see if in the second of a back-to-back tonight it holds true, the thing that impressed me the most yesterday was the consistency of the outing. And that is something that I've been talking about forever. Uh, we got to wait and see the consistency. 
the consistency of this team. Putting together four quarters of solid basketball. Not perfect basketball, but solid basketball on both ends. And I know that there have been other games, I mean, hell, probably four games against Milwaukee, a Monday night at home against Boston going back to what, November? You know, that game on the road against Sacramento when they were down some bodies, that Western road trip. There are a lot of other games that also would be high on the list of impressive. I just thought yesterday was different. The other thing that stood out from top to bottom without Aaron Neesmith But from top to bottom, they look like a team that we saw early in the season. That looked like a team with fresh legs. That looked like a team that likes to get up and down the floor and likes to wear out the opposition. Dallas looked like, at times, with their guys, they ran out of gas a little bit. But the consistency was what was most impressive. And certainly, when you lose a lead... And you're up for third quarter. Kyrie Irving is taking over. Kyrie Irving is is such an interesting basketball player. This is just strictly from a basketball standpoint. He is an incredible combination of new era skills with an old school game. I love it. He uses both hands. Driving, feels as comfortable going left and using the left hand as he does the right. Uses the glass. All you have to do is to see a couple of those bank shots made in the third. And you can say what you want about him. Maybe you don't like him. Maybe you do. Maybe you think he's a pain. But watching his game is, if you're a basketball fan, incredibly enjoyable. He brings new era and old school, and kind of puts them all together. And that's exactly what he was doing in the third. And the Pacers got a lift. They were up four, called a timeout, had possession of the ball coming out of the timeout, and Ben Shepard knocks down a three. That probably, to put them back up seven, that was probably the play of the game. On either end. And that's what I'm talking about, consistency. And then you're getting it from different spots. You're getting it from different spots, and you see that not not just you know into the third quarter or that first half of play, but a team that also closed. I don't know how much definitively better they were defensively, but given the fact Luca goes for 25 in the first half. What do you have, 33 for the game? You got to look at that in the second half as a defensive win. And with this team, what we think about this team defensively being, that is a huge win. But that's what we saw yesterday, the most impressive win of the season. I don't know what you think about Dallas, but they've won seven straight. And we were searching for a team and the Pacers where you wanted that consistency. It's not always going to be perfect. They're going to have clunky quarters. That's just the way that it is. They're not a finished product. They're far from it. But even though you have visions of what is going to be further down the road, you also want to see them win in the present. That's one of those moments. 
when I mentioned getting sick and tired of hearing with uh, entertaining losses, in the past, that would have been an entertaining loss, and the nerds around here everywhere would celebrate. All the nerds would come out of the woodwork. That was amazing. An entertaining loss. Look where they're going to draft. You know, all that common nerdery around here from following teams that have not put anything together winning-wise at all consistently over the years. That would have been, in the past, a moment for nerd celebration. But yesterday afternoon and last night, Pacers put together, I thought, from start to finish, their best game. And a consistent product that most of the fans, and certainly me, we've been talking about. That's what we're looking for. And that's what you got, I thought, last night in that win over Dallas. We can hit that round number two. It's the second of a back-to-back against Toronto coming up later on tonight. We've got a little Anything Goes for you, too. Tickets to give away coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Jeremiah Johnson, Bally Sports, Indiana. He's going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, I know. Miles had 33. It's funny. Miles had 33, and I blank you not on this. Let me get you this. You guys got, you got, you got to hear this. This is what I get to deal with. And now it is a very ignorant and shrinking group. But earlier today, I blank you not, people always say, and I get this when when Miles has a good game, like he did yesterday, I get the, hey, you think anybody's going to come at you about Miles' game? And somebody always does, because I am an open forum to a lot of idiots, and especially a lot of non-basketball understanding idiots. But this one kind of stood out to me. Um. Because I had mentioned, somebody had mentioned to me, did you get a lot of crap regarding Miles? And I said, nah, it's an ignorant and shrinking group. And the response was, we are still here. Now, it's not defending the fact that I called that group ignorant. We are still here. So the ignorant group is still there. Your man crush getting a bunch of, get this, easy layups in one game means nothing was trash from three. Hell, even your out-of-shape ass can make those, which is true. But that's that's what I get after a 33-8. and eight. But it is shrinking. It's ignorant, all but the part about me. It is ignorant, but it is a shrinking group. And also what goes to help, my response was, ask Tyrese Halliburton how he feels. Ask how he feels. Hey, believe me, when Doma Sabonis was traded, I love Sabonis. I love Sabonis before any of you guys even knew who he was. Because I've always been forced to watch Gonzaga. So I knew Sabonis even before you knew who he was. I knew Sabonis when he was coming off the bench in Spokane, Washington. I like Sabonis' game too. You watch Sacramento play. You watch the ball being consistently in the hands of Sabonis. You watch Sabonis initiating the offense. Uh, you want to take that away from Halliburton, are you? That's what you're going to do? That's what's going to happen? Not to mention the fact that Halliburton loves playing with a guy, that high ball screen, that can get to the rim, can catch the ball getting to the rim, can finish in contact, and can pick and pop. And whether or not he's hitting it, 
You'd rather see him hit it, but he is still going to be a threat. All you have to do is ask Halliburton. Again, those remaining, again, ignorant yet shrinking group out there. All you have to do is ask the elite level star here what he thinks. In fact, he told you about it yesterday. Raptors Pacers coming up later on tonight. We'll talk about that. Jeremiah Johnson, bottom of the hour. So, Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Yeah, we got the Combine coming up this week. Incredibly excited about the Combine. I'll be there on Wednesday. I'm not sure the rest of the week. I've told Todd this, or executive producer Todd Myers said, hey, do you want to go to the Combine all week? And I say, I want to go to the Combine if we're going to be able to talk to people at the Combine. But if I'm going to be talking on the radio for three hours while they're sweeping up after the event, that's probably not what I want to do. Shane Steichen's on this show coming up on Wednesday. So that is worthy. On Wednesday, I will definitely be at the Combine. But good for everybody down there. Go down there and have some fun as you normally do. I think today and and tomorrow, the weather is going to be good. Then it's going to change. You know, normally this time of year, you have a severe storm after warmer temperatures, and then the temperatures drop. And then by the weekend, we'll work their way back up. Dane Brugler of The Athletic, he is their draft guru. I saw what Marvin Harrison Jr., how he is handling it. And I saw where also you have some some coaches and some NFL decision makers that have decided not to jack with the combine. And we'll talk about that. Dane Brugler coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Dennis Dodd of CBS regarding NIL. And that changed that ruling on Friday. And the outcome of that, a little college football thrown in as well. And Stephen Holder of ESPN is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Otherwise, 239-1070. Email the address jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live. It is very good to be back in studio. In fact, the first time I have seen James here in about two weeks. And then on Wednesday, James is going on vacation. So I got two days with James in studio. Inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live. I'll check in with you guys coming up in just a second. The stream, the app, HD Radio. It is good to be back. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ride with JMV. Don't read your email, because I'm really butthurt when you read your email. Uh... 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Dade Brugler, draft guru, joins us coming up at the top of the hour of the Athletic. Is that mine? That's mine, isn't it? Yeah. There are times when I fix that, and then it's... Runs smoothly for like a month, and then it just goes back. So I think if you turn off like notification sounds or whatever. I think I have like 90 times. Does it just automatically turn itself back on? It may. I'm not sure. It's kind of like me. Sometimes I just automatically turn myself on. (laughs) Uh, There's no video of this, by the way. So I need to automatically turn myself off. Dane Brugler, top of the hour. Dennis Dodd of CBS in the 4 o'clock hour, too. Stephen Holder after 5. 
Uh, Jackson Bennett says, JMV, any hooper would agree with you on this. Stay off the floor with your street shoes, for God's sake. <laughs> it's their general rule. I know. Well, that's what they do. That's what they do during the school year. They do that in PE class. I would cringe in PE class. But, I mean, I went to a school where they had donkeys running around out there and guys on their backs shooting jumpers. And the donkeys would just, like, step in the donkey dung and just smear it all over. And I'm up. I'm eight years old just crying. What? <laughs> Stay off the floor in your street shoes. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline, friend of the show, and I'm assuming during his time up at Peru, probably felt the same way. Stay off the floor in your street shoes. It's from Bally Sports, Indiana, Jeremiah Johnson. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you got basketball shoes for a reason to play yes. basketball in. Now, once you, what I would say is once you finish that season, then maybe they become your street shoes and you replace the basketball shoes. So you get some good use out of what you what you kept nice for that season. But in general, yes, what you wear to school is not what you wear to practice. Dirty, dirty gym floors drive me insane. I hate them. I hate dirty gym floors. I, I, there's nothing better than playing on a gym floor where it just got redone. You know what I mean? Yeah, the worst thing is always having to wipe your hands on your shoes to get them the squeakiness that you need, and then you look down, and then you're you're kind of licking your hands, and you're licking the dirt all over that was on your shoe on your hands. Well, in so get, yes. maybe that was what happened to you last week. Well, here's the other thing, too, I cringe about is because my daughter does the same thing. The first thing they do before they go onto the floor is they run to that sticky pad next to the scorer's table. And I say, hey, you guys, all you do is get the sticky pad. You run out on a dirty floor and the dirt sticks to the bottom of your shoes. And then you can never stop sliding all over the place. No sticky pad. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I made my entire playing career without using a sticky pad, and I survived. I, I don't know when those became a thing. Sticky pad. Yeah, you just run out there, and then all that dirt. Like I love Center Grove and playing in the West Gym, but it is dirty as hell, right? I could do a double axle out there like I'm ice skating sometimes, and the sticky pad onto that floor, your, your shoes just get dirt on the bottom, and it never comes off. Never. Any, anytime you're in an auxiliary gym, it doesn't matter the school. Chances are it was a little bit slippery. Same with the West Gym. We used to play at Butler, correct? Yes. Oh, we slid all over the place in the West Gym right there. You know that you knew you had dudes in there playing in boots and stuff whenever we weren't in there. And that was happening. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson's got a second of a back-to-back -to -back tonight. He'll be a part of Bally Sports Indiana comes at you at 6.30 with the Raptors and the Pacers. I felt from start to finish that was the best game for the Pacers this season yesterday against the Mavericks. You agree? Wow. You know, it, it wasn't as emotional and intense at the end, and that's maybe what made it more impressive. So many of the big wins have included good clutch moments and maybe that atmosphere with a minute to play where you're on the edge of your seat. And that's probably what made it as impressive as the others or more than is because you didn't need that. You put that game away with your reserves on the court in that stretch from nine minutes until seven minutes, and then your starters just came in and just made sure that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving could not even make a run. And so um, maybe not as thrilling at the finish, but if you take a step back and realize it didn't need to be thrilling because you put, took care of business and beat a team that had won seven straight by 22 points. I think it's on the list 
Um, but then as I pointed out, or I, I brought it up on Twitter and, and had some people respond, there have been a number of really big, impressive wins this year. So I'm not going to necessarily put it at the very top, but uh, the way they did it was certainly impressive. Hey, JJ, put it at the top. That was what we're looking for right now. Coming out of the All-Star break has been what? It has been consistency. You go back to Friday. When was it? Thursday. Thursday, that third quarter stuck out like a sore thumb. That was the most consistent from start to finish performance we have seen in a long time. That's the type of basketball, when I watch the Pacers, I want to see more times than not. Yeah, no, I'm not going to argue with you. Maybe we need. Well, you to better not, because I'm going to get all pissy. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. It was the best. It was the, what was what were you saying? What was the adjective? It was the best said? game. It was the best performance of the season yeah. from start to finish. Okay. Yeah. Best best performance start to finish. You know what? It's your show. I'm not going to argue with you. Thank you. Kristen Airy said. I think his was his word was most impressive. So I use that a little bit on the post game show and on social media. The good news is there are a lot to pick from. I mean, you can think back to some of those wins, and this is the fourth time they've snapped a win streak of at least six. Twice they snapped Philadelphia win streaks. You had the seven-game win streak of the Phoenix Suns and then Dallas's seven-game win streak uh, on Sunday. So to do it against a good team who was pretty much fully healthy and playing their best basketball, um, I'm, I'm on board now. You can there you go. I talked you into it. That makes me feel good. That's exactly why I'm I'm in here to talk people into stuff. That's why I'm here. Hey, we're allowed to have a little recency <laughs> bias, right? I mean, we live in the moment. There's there's nothing wrong with hyping up what we just saw. People will tell you, I, I, I kind of, I am torn between most of the times in the moment in 1985. So I'm kind of <laughs> right between there. So yeah. that's my, my issue. It's uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Bally Sports, Indiana. 6.30 coverage begins with he and Chris and Eddie and Quinn coming up later on tonight. Uh, ben Shepard. Ben Shepard had a fantastic performance, maybe his best as well. Are we getting to know him a little bit more, a little bit more clock, a little bit more what he can do on both ends? I want to see Neesmith get back as quickly as possible. However, that has opened the door for some minutes, more minutes, certainly with him in mind too. And yesterday he responded. Well, John, what did you think about Ben Shepard when the Pacers drafted him? I just thought maybe he would be – Honestly, a player a little bit like Doug McDermott. I didn't know a lot about him. I thought he could, you know, move without the basketball, catch and shoot. But I didn't realize he had this kind of defensive ability. And what he did before the All-Star break against Toronto, late late game against R.J. Barrett, and then what he's been able to do here in the last couple of games, Eddie Gills brought up some comparisons to what you saw last year. You had a guy like Andrew Nemhard you didn't know maybe a lot about, and he earned playing time with his defense. Aaron Neesmith. Uh, you knew a little bit more about, but he showed he was an elite defender. And I'm not going to put Ben Shepard in that category, but he might earn additional playing time, not from the, the way you might expect, being able to knock down those threes, but with his ability to guard. And as long as Aaron Neesmith is out, maybe it just buys you a little more time where you don't have to rush him back because of the confidence that Ben Shepard is playing with. Uh, I love watching him grow. Think about a guy that the first two months of the season spent more time with the Mad Ants, and then before the All-Star break, makes a game-winning play on the defensive end, then five for five from three, and what you called the most complete game of the season. Yes. I mean, it's uh, it's been quite a season for the rookie. Someone drafted 26 overall. So, Jeremiah Johnson is with us. I mentioned Aaron Neesmith. I want to see him get back sooner rather than later. What's the track of this right now? What's your feel of it? I'm sure you'll find out a little bit more. I know he's not going to play tonight, but what do you think the track of it is as we talk right now? 
you know, my hunch would be he still has to have a good practice before returning to the court, and there may not be one of those opportunities until later in the week. But you feel better about it than you did maybe going into the All-Star break because that initial diagnosis or injury report said shin soreness, but then you saw him very gingerly after the game and you were a little concerned. And then uh, the x-rays proved that it was a sprained ankle, I believe. And, and seeing him on the practice court, not doing a lot, but not limping at all. And I think he went through a pregame workout uh, on Sunday afternoon, what he would normally do if he was playing. So that was a really good sign as well. So my, my thought might be you still would want to have a practice and you don't really have those uh, after a back-to-back. So probably no practice tomorrow. They'll have maybe an intense walkthrough on on Wednesday. Maybe that's enough. But maybe by the end of the week, if he gets to practice, then he's not one of those guys that's going to milk it. So as soon as he can play, he will play. He's like you. He wants to be back as soon as he can. Yeah, you know, the other thing that stood out, Jeremiah, is – the the legs look fresh. The legs didn't look so fresh going into the All-Star break. I, I think since then, even in that game where you got three out of the four quarters good the other night, I thought yesterday we were back to running the floor at what we become accustomed to knowing this team doing early in the season. That's at least how I felt the past couple of games out of the All-Star break. You were correct in your assessment about a month ago when, when Tyrese Halliburton was out, then he was coming back on the minutes restriction. The strength of this team is is looking down at the end of the game, or one of the strengths, I should say, and having maybe you know 12 to 14 more fast break points than your opponent because that can get you a little bit of a head start. It keeps the game from having to be that half-court offense, which – you know, the Pacers are better in that area, but they're also better in transition than almost any team in the league. And so uh, a lot of things were going on before the All-Star break. You had the minutes restriction. You had a little bit of an illness going through the team, even hitting the coaching staff a little bit. This team needed the All-Star break. And even though some of the guys were busy because the event was in Indianapolis and Tyrese Halliburton didn't get a lot of time off, when he returned to the court on Thursday, I did feel like he was rested, rejuvenated, and really very close, if not all the way back to where he was in early January before the injury. And you can go up and down the roster. I'm seeing a lot of intensity. I'm seeing a lot of juice. And I'm seeing them get out and go. And the fast break numbers will show. The pace numbers will show it. The, the offensive uh, scoring and, and efficiency will show it. So you just hope that can continue. This would be a challenge game, maybe just because you're on the second half of the back-to-back. And, and those have been times where – Maybe some of that catches up to you a little bit. Maybe fatigue sets in. But because they had that rest last week, I think they could be in good position to overcome that tonight. Did you see it all? I I didn't notice, I guess, because I wasn't looking. But did the pace numbers prior to the All-Star break fall off a bit? And obviously it would if Halliburton's not out there. But did you see a substantial fall off in that category before the All-Star break? Yeah, they definitely did fall off just a little bit. I mean, it was one of those things where early in the season you were always first in pace, and then the last, uh, I don't know, I hadn't separated it out, but currently they're second, and they'd fallen down to third or fourth, I think, before the All-Star break just in terms of the team. Now, you don't necessarily say you want to have the, the highest pace. That's going to lead to success because right now it's it's Wizards' fastest pace, Spurs third, and Hawks fourth. However, uh, when you do that efficiently, when you have the fast break points, and when you limit the other team's uh, fast break points, uh, it's still the way the Pacers want to play. And the, the question I'll, I'll continue to have a little bit moving forward is you don't think of the playoff games as being able to be that same type of game. But can you still push teams? Can you wear teams out in a series because you have that ability and they maybe want 
to slow the game down a little bit. I still think with Pascal Siakam, they're more equipped to play a little bit slower, more of the half-court game. But when they get stops and when they get you know, turnovers, they still have the, the top priority is to, to go. And it's a lot easier when Tyrese Halliburton is healthy, and, and we've seen that the last few games. How about Matherin, a rebounding madman yesterday? He went up and snatched some stuff impressively in that game. He did. When, when a guy, you know, raises eyebrows, gets everyone talking by a rebound, it's a powerful rebound. So he had, I think, two of those offensive rebounds. But to have the double-double third time of his career, and then, oh, by the way, five or six assists as well. That's, that's kind of yes, an all-around yes. game that – yeah, you and, and he even made a few passes that didn't end up being assists because I don't think the the you know his teammate was maybe even preparing for it. It was almost too unselfish of a play. With any luck, I mean he's got triple double numbers, and this is a guy that in his rookie season sometimes you'd see you know eighteen points, one board, one assist, and so that that shows some of the growth that he's making. I really liked how he's accepted this challenge of being in the starting lineup at least until. Aaron Neesmith is out, and if Neesmith comes back and, and he goes to the second unit, he'll really anchor that group as well. But I think the key to him succeeding with the starters is playing that unselfish brand. If he's with the second unit, you need him to be a little more aggressive in scoring. Maybe that group needs that, but uh, it was a, even though he shot more and maybe wasn't as efficient offensively, I also loved how he took that challenge regarding Luka to start the game. I mean, I know Luka got off to a good start, but – some of those shots, I don't know who, I don't care who was guarding him, he would have made them. And I really thought that Ben accepted that challenge. And for both he and Andrew Nemhard, when you've got Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic on the court and you're second-year players and you're really embracing that, that opportunity to guard those two guys, I mean, nothing but a positive can come from that. Right, they did a great job against Luka in the second half, by the way, too. Uh, 25 first half, what, eight in the second half? He ended up getting to 33 for the game. That's what you want. Plus, I just wanted to see if I could get you to say snatch the rebound because I kind of giggled at that. So, didn't get it done. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I want Chris, I'll have Chris say that tonight when he yeah, goes up and does. Sure, you will. That. Yes, he will. Yeah. He'll be right on that. <laughs> hey, we'll be watching 6 30. You guys hit the air, right? That's right. Uh, my brother, I appreciate you as always. You know that. I'll, I'll be sure to step on the uh, sticky uh, yeah. the sticky floor before the game starts just to make sure I can get up oh. and down the court. Yeah, I hate it when they do that. No more sticky pad. Let's outlaw the sticky pad. Let's do it. <laughs> See you, buddy. All right, take care. Jeremiah Johnson, Valley Sports, Indiana, 630 later on tonight. Dame Brugler, top of the hour. The uh, NFL draft analyst for the Athletic, of course, the Combine. This week will be there coming up on Wednesday with Shane Steichen, the uh, head coach of the Colts. And Dennis Dodd of CBS, 4 o'clock hour as well. 93.5107, by the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, enjoy the day out there today, but make sure... You take us with you, and you have this thing cranked. Yeah, I know. You're the crank. Why should I have this cranked? Well, you can do both. 
Combine on Wednesday, Shane Steichen's on this show, the head coach of the Colts. So watch out for that in a busy week with guests coming up uh, both uh, in and around the Combine to uh, Pacers, obviously, later on this week. Got to get my man Josh Schertz back on the show, too. I'm going over to Terre Haute on Sunday to watch their senior day as they take on Murray State. But they're on the road at Evansville. That's Indiana State, by the way. Evansville coming up midweek and then uh, Sunday against Murray State before they head to St. Louis. And uh, we'll get uh, Josh on the show later on this week as well. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, uh, he is simply put the best at what he does as far as draft analyzing And perfect as we enter the week of the Combine here from The Athletic. I did not know this, that Dane Brugler also is an amateur barbecue pitmaster, which is awesome. Dane's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How good of a uh, barbecue pitmaster are you? It's kind of an oxymoron, right? Amateur. uh, But, you know, it's... It's a hobby that turned into a little bit more. So, like uh, you know, any chance I get a, a, an opportunity to come to Indianapolis and take part in some of the barbecue, some of the steak, I, I mean, I'm all for it. So, always love my trips to Indy. Well, now, do you watch or have you seen all the episodes of Barbecue Pitmaster? I've seen them. I don't know if I've seen them all, but yeah. uh, I definitely check them out. It's uh, it's an art, you know. These these guys are uh, what they're doing is more than just just cooking. You know, they they are they are dedicating their lives to this. So yeah, I put a lot of respect on that. Yeah, Myron Mixon, one of my heroes, right there. I'm right there with Absolutely. you. Absolutely, <laughs> Dan is with us. Uh, an art at wide receiver for Marvin Harrison Jr. Do you like the way that he is uh, evidently going to handle this combine week? I mean, I give him credit because he knows he doesn't need to do this, and so he's not going to, and he's certainly not the first. Um, you know, going back to the mid-'90s, every year we've seen guys uh, opt not to work out, um, you know, still be here. They'll take part in the medicals, take part in the interviews, and I think you know, we need to remember that's the whole purpose of the Combine is, first of all, the medicals. You know, they wanted to create a central place for 300 players to get all their medicals done so they don't have to fly all over the country for every team. And then the interview process for a lot of coaches in the NFL, this will be their first introduction to the player. Uh, And so first impressions mean a lot. And for a lot of these players, this is, this is a big opportunity. And for Marvin Harrison jr. He's going to take part in those. Will he run the 40? Will he do some of the on-field stuff? No. And I don't think he necessarily has to. Uh, what and you know, I think the forty and the, all these testing, you know, they don't mean as much for top ten players. Nobody in the NFL is going to change their draft board whether or not a player runs the forty yard dash or not. Uh, but you know, that, that's not true for every every player. Some players, this testing portion of, of the draft par- process. It's really important, and they need to go out there with their best foot forward. Marvin Harrison just isn't one of those guys. He will be drafted somewhere in the top five, and he is the favorite to be the first non-quarterback drafted. Is he clearly the best wide receiver by a long shot in this draft? No, I wouldn't say that, and that's more a testament to Malik Neighbors from LSU. And I'd even throw Roma Dunze from Washington in there as well. Uh, This is just a really good year to need a wide receiver. In in most other years – uh, Malik Neighbors would be wide receiver one consensus. And in other years, Roma Dunze from Washington would be the consensus wide receiver one. It just so happens Marvin Harrison Jr. is also in this class. And uh, all three of these guys are, you could argue, three, maybe the three best non-quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, all three could be off the board in the top 
six picks. That's very realistic. Um, but this is another strong wide receiver class, uh, both in, in the first round early, but then second round, third round. It's a position that will stretch throughout draft weekend, but it all starts at the top with these three guys. And I tell you, Malik Neighbors from LSU, uh, what are the limitations with this guy? I mean, the acceleration he plays with before and after the catch, he'll go up and make plays. Um, you know, you, you can see his seven on seven background with just the way he plays out there, creates space for himself and then is able to make something happen with the ball in his hands. And then Roma Dunze, he's so good through contact. Uh, he's very good as a route runner. He's going to be close to 220 pounds and still run in the four, three, four, four range. So all three of these uh, wide receivers at the top teams are going to feel good about maybe we have our wide receiver one moving forward when they're able to take these guys. It's a Dane Brugler of the athletic will be here in town for the combine. He's with us via the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. Uh, every year I'm one that says you need like 19 wide receivers. That's the Colts here, right? And even more to me, it's reinforced with uh, the prospect of Anthony Richardson and what you want him to end up being and how Shane Steichen is going to play offensively. So who may be lurking in the neighborhood of 15 if the Colts draft there as far as these names we're talking about here in this wide receiving class? Well, those top three names I mentioned will will be gone. They'll certainly be off the board. I I think the fourth receiver is Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, who a little bit younger, a little more raw elements to his game. uh, But for a guy that's 6'4", 210, uh, basketball background, just 21 years old, he's going to run really well. Uh, he's a better route runner than most his age. He's a very good blocker. So he does a lot of the things that you need to do to get on the field early in the NFL. Um, And so there's some developing left for him to do. But when you look at the traits, you look at his want to and his, his athletic instincts, you feel really good projecting him out as not only a long-term guy, but someone that can come in pretty quickly and help you as a rookie. Uh, But this is a, a, a position where you don't have to necessarily target that position in the first round because because again, second round, third round, you know, you feel good about maybe an Adonai Mitchell from Texas in round two, um, you know, Troy Franklin from Oregon. Uh, if you want more of that speedster, Xavier uh, Worthy from Texas is that guy a little undersized, but he can absolutely fly. He's sudden in and out of his breaks. Um, so at every level of, uh, of the draft, there's going to be a receiver that's going to appeal to a team like the Colts, and they have a chance to get better on the wide receiver depth chart, no question. Uh, he is Dane Brugler of The Athletic. will be in town, of course, the NFL draft analyst. You can follow him at DP Brugler. You should, with all the information for the combine and the upcoming draft. Of course, he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So you explain the wide receiver position as being incredibly robust. How does that compare, for example, to an edge rushing type of position going into the combine, then ultimately the spring draft? Yeah, I think edge rusher is uh, – it, It's. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily you – know, I feel like we've been kind of spoiled with uh, these top edge rushers in, in past years, whether it's Miles Garrett at number one or you know, the Bosa brothers and what they would bring, Khalil Mack. We, we've had these pass rushers at the top. This draft doesn't necessarily have that true blue chipper at the top, but there's still some really quality uh, pass rushers uh, if they go that direction in the first round. Dallas Turner from Alabama, 
Uh, he's a freak athlete. He, he's, he looks – the testing portion, the athletic testing, he, he's going to move like a middle linebacker. But he can play the edge. He led the SEC in sacks this past year. He's very good against the run. And uh, so, someone's going to fall in love with him somewhere in the top half of round one. So he might not even get to pick number 15 where the Colts are picking. Uh, Jared Verse from Florida State I think would make sense. Uh, he's a power rusher. He can go through guys. Also this year showed a little more finesse and trying to just expand his uh, pass rush repertoire. So he's a guy that will be in the mid-first-round mix as well. Uh, Chop Robinson from Penn State. Can't wait to see his 10-yard split and some of his explosive numbers this year or this uh, week at the Combine. He is uh, so quick off the ball. I mean, that That's his kind of superhero trait. You know, he needs to get better in some other areas. But when you have that initial burst, that, that first step get off, good luck trying to block him. And so Chop Robinson somewhere in that top 25 mix as well. Uh, so this is a, a good year. We, I don't, I'm not sure where that first defensive player is going to be drafted. It's going to be a very, very offensive-heavy top 10. And then where does that first defensive player come off the board, and what position will it be? Will it be one of those edge rushers I just mentioned? Will it be a corner like Terry and Arnold from Alabama, Quinion Mitchell, Toledo, uh, maybe even Byron Murphy, the defensive tackle from Texas? Uh, where that first defensive player comes off the board is going to be really interesting. But Indianapolis at 15 will kind of be right there in that mix to take one of the top defensive players on their board. We got to get lost into to all the quarterback performance slash conversation. I know we normally do, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is going to be a, an odd year. We're getting lost in it. But it seems like it started a little bit slow, but now it really begins to pick up steam. Who has the opportunity to make the most out of it right now? And you know, for those that, that already have kind of set the bar where they want it going into a pro day and going into the draft, where, where do we start as far as what you think is the best at that position going into the combine then ultimately into that draft in, in the late spring yeah I think uh, we obviously Caleb Williams Drake may had the most steam coming into the season and in my opinion they're still the top two quarterbacks now give Jaden Daniels credit for what he did this past year at LSU the improvements he made what he did on the field he accounted for 90 plays of 20-plus yards this year. Just an astounding number. Um, now, there's still some questions about his game and how that will translate, but it's easy to look at him and say, you know what, our offense needs a jolt. This guy can give that to us. And so I think those will be your first three quarterbacks off the board, probably with the first three picks. If I'm the Patriots sitting there at three, I'm hoping that all three of those quarterbacks show out this week at the combine. Not everyone's going to be on the field and throwing. Uh, Daniel said he won't. Caleb Williams is going to wait for his pro day. But in terms of the interview process and getting to know these teams and, and that whole interaction, the Patriots at three are hoping this goes really well because either they take a quarterback at three or they're going to get a big trade offer to move back uh, for a, a de- quarterback desperate team moving up to three to get that guy. I think the quarterback that maybe has the biggest chance to make a move outside of those top three, it's going to be J.J. McCarthy from Michigan, who the first thing you – when you talk to uh, scouts about McCarthy, the first thing they mention is he's a winner. High school, he was 36-2 and with a state championship – College, 27-1 and one with a, a national championship. And I know people roll their eyes when you talk about quarterback win-loss record and all that. You know who cares? NFL teams care. So it's relevant to the conversation. And with J.J. McCarthy, his eval feels a little incomplete because he played for an offense that didn't ask him to do a ton through the air. It was a ground. They built that offense to be a power-rushing attack. And, hey, it worked. They won the national title. 
So, but there's still some uh, parts of his evaluation with the decision-making that you want to see a little bit more of, but what we have seen, he's really good on money downs, third and fourth down. He's a very mobile athlete with his legs and not just outside the pocket, but within the pocket as well. He's a loose thrower. There's a lot of things about JJ McCarthy that when you project him forward, it's easy to buy into that. So if he has a good week this week at the combine, which I think he will. And I think the biggest thing will be the intangibles when he sits down with coaches and they really get a chance to figure out his mental makeup and how he's wired that's going to really play a big, uh, it's going to be a plus in his category. And so McCarthy, I think he's going to end up being a top 12 pick. It's just a matter of how high plenty of teams could use a quarterback from the Falcons at eight. Uh, If you're looking at the Vikings at 11, the Broncos at 12 Raiders at 13. And so this is a big opportunity this week for JJ McCarthy. And if you're the Colts, obviously you want all the quarterbacks to go in the first 14 picks, throw Bo Nix in there, you know, try to get as many quarterbacks (laughs) So it can push better players to you at number 15. What's uh, where's this put Brock Bowers ultimately? And I'm assuming, cause I, I haven't seen a lot of the tight end position, but all you ever hear is of his exploits. Is it thin and how much value will he hold atop this first round? Well, interesting that you use the word thin because I think that is going to be kind of the question with Bowers. When he weighs in, I, I think a lot of people are going to be kind of turned off. <laughs> he's not the biggest guy. He's going to be, and, he know, be he, look like it's a wide receiver or something like that is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. He, if he comes in at, you know, 6'3 and change and 236 pounds, you know, like I don't – he's not your prototypical wide tight end. And that's okay. He doesn't need to be. I think – you know, we have to shift our thinking with a Brock Bowers and view him as a hybrid playmaker. And not every offensive coordinator will be willing to do that. Um, you know, the whole tight end position and it is it worth drafting a guy that early. You look at the tight ends around the league, a lot of them, second, third, fourth round. You don't have to use a first round uh, capital on the position. But still, at the same time, Brock Bowers is one of the best players in the draft. And so if he were to make it down to 15, I I think you're getting tremendous value there. Um, And as long as Shane Steichen and the offensive staff understand how to best use him to, you know, get the most bang for your buck, drafting him at pick number 15, I think that could end up being a steal for the Colts. Dane Brugler, we'll see right there. You just perked up some ears around here with the Colts fans, Dane. Dane Brugler from the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline within the past three or so hours. Also, you you can see, I think it's on Spotify, maybe maybe other formats as well, prospects to pros. You do a a look-see, I think, basically throughout every position going into the combine and the draft. And one of the other positions of needs certainly for the Colts, Dane, is that of cornerback. You got a little bit into it going defensive as far as the first round is concerned and where these defensive players may fall in. But what about the cornerback position for a team of need like the Colts? I think that's definitely another position they could go in the first round. This is a first round, especially the top 20. It's going to be filled with the premium positions, talking about quarterbacks, wide receivers, offensive tackles, and then corners. We're going to see a lot of those positions go in the top 20. And the corners, you're looking at Terry and Arnold from Alabama, who uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry gets all the pub, but Terry and Arnold, when you watch the tape, one of those corners is the more athletic and the more physical, the more competitive, and it's Arnold uh, at number three on the outside there. He can also play inside of the nickel. I think he's going to test well this week. Quinion Mitchell from Toledo, 
elite ball production. And I don't throw the word elite around very often, but elite ball production with his ability to track the ball, get his hands on it. Uh, my favorite thing about him is yes, he's a four, three athlete, uh, but he's also very composed and there's no panic in the way he plays. So Quinion Mitchell, he's going to continue the momentum that he brings over from the senior bowl and have a great week here. And then Nate Wiggins from Clemson, I think is the third guy to keep on the radar. Uh, 6'2", 185. I expect him to test really well. Uh, suddenness, long speed. The question with him is physicality. But when you have that type of athleticism, you know, you're going to be able to maybe look past a little bit of that when you can connect yourself to NFL receivers and play up and down the field. So if I'm the Colts at 15, I'm feeling good about my options with these corners, some of these pass catchers, um, you know, some of the other players that will be available at 15. I don't need to move around too much. I should have some good options there at 15. Dane, Chris Ballard, we know around here at what a high value he holds in the senior bowl. Anybody jump off the page as far as maybe their performance or maybe in terms of being a surprise, a surprising performance? Yeah, and the other thing we know about uh, Chris Ballard is he loves traits on the defensive line. And Darius Robinson from Missouri showed out at the Senior Bowl. Um, he was outstanding. He's 6'5", 290. He's long. He's athletic. Um, and he couldn't be blocked all week in Mobile during practice. And I think that's something that will continue here at the Senior Bowl with uh, the way he plays. He's not going to be – he's not going to have the best 40. Uh, he'll probably be somewhere in the 4'7", 4'8". Uh, but I mean, again, this is a guy that we're talking about 290 and he's going to run that time. He's going to have suddenness. He's going to have power. So I, I think Darius Robinson, probably more a guy that's going to go in the twenties than, than the top 20, but definitely a name to keep on the radar. If you're a, if you're a Colts fan, cause you know, we've got the, uh, got the eye of Ballard. What position are you most uh, excited about seeing workout wise here? Uh, you know, I, I think probably corner, uh, just because no other position is affected more by the, the workouts than corner. Because if, if you're a corner in the NFL, you have to be a top-tier athlete. You, you cannot sacrifice that. You cannot, uh, you know, you cannot be a top-tier athlete and not play on the outside against NFL wide receivers. So it's a stopwatch position, how they test, how they run, how they move around out there that can sometimes change how teams view the position more than more than other positions because of the way they move. And, and it's great when you watch these guys one after the other. So you have instant comparisons, how one guy runs, how one guy does his back pedal, how quick he is to plant his foot, click, close, make a play on the ball. We get that all here at the combine one after the other. And I think no other position is necessarily affected more than corner because again, you need top tier athletes and we've got a few of them or quite a few of them this year in this corner class. And I can't wait to see him move out there. It's Dane Brugler with us from the athletic. He'll be in town for the combine. Is there anybody that, that really needs to have a good combine, a strong combine to move their name up? Anybody, maybe you're thinking not a first round or maybe a day two, late day two, whatever, uh, maybe even a day three that combined with, this combine performance could see their their prospect could see their value elevated. Uh, no question. I think 
you know, above all, you're trusting the tape with these guys. Um, but at the same time, you want to see guys go out there and run good times and be athletes. And, you know, Jalen Polk from Washington, uh, you know, he's the quote unquote other Washington receiver. Uh, he's there's a lot of things he does well in the football field. He'll go up and make catches. Uh, you know, he's uh, got a great catch radius. But what type of athlete is he? 6'2", 205. Is he a 4'5'5 athlete or is he a 4'4'7 athlete? And so going him getting the best time that he can will be important. Um, pass rushers, uh, keeping with Washington, Braylon Trice. Uh, you know, he's not the most sudden guy in terms of uh, bending the edge and uh, capturing the corner with pure speed. But seeing how he moves out there uh, will be big for him because we know he has the power. He can break down the rhythm of blockers at the point of attack. But what type of athlete is he when you put the testing data next to him? And I think above all, the thing that matters most with the combine where team or players need to help themselves is the medicals. And so a guy like Liatu Latu, the pass rusher from UCLA, who more pressures than any other pass rusher in this class, loved the hand skill. He's a good athlete, but he also had to medically retire a few years ago because of an issue with his back, his neck. And so how do the, you know, every team doctor going to look at it a little bit differently? How does that come out of this week with, with Latu? How does that affect his draft stock? Michael Penix, uh, quarterback at Washington. He has four season-ending injuries in, in, uh, while he was at Indiana. So any of those injuries lingering, anything that teams are worried about, even though he did stay healthy the past two years. So above all, I think the medicals are something that even though we won't, you can't necessarily put a, a number next to it, like a 40-yard dash, the medicals were, are where I think teams are uh, kind of crossing their fingers that they get a lot of good news on these guys. Hey, Dane, I'm glad you brought up Penix, too. I kind of wanted to close with him. How does he translate to the NFL level? Obviously, with the, the medicals that you're talking about and, and just with everything as a quarterback, where do you see him translating to the next level? I think for a team that is looking for uh, a really aggressive trigger man uh, who's going to test every square inch of the field, uh, that, this is a guy for them. Now, I, I think there's several areas of his game, You know, some of the mechanics, some of the anticipation, some of the pressure reaction. Those are areas where he's not necessarily – uh, you know, he needs to get better, needs to develop in those areas. But I think the biggest selling point with Michael Penix is just the mental toughness. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that have made it in the NFL and the quarterbacks that haven't, a common theme is mental toughness. Um, it, guys are going to go through ups and downs. That's inevitable if you're a quarterback in the NFL. But do you have the mental toughness to be better because of those mistakes? Uh, and a lot of quarterbacks, when they bust, it's because they don't necessarily have that uh, in them to work past the mistakes and get better. I mean, Jalen Hurts, you, he made a ton of mistakes after he was drafted uh, with the Eagles, but he got better after every one. And with Michael Penix, to overcome four season-ending injuries, to transfer from Indiana, and nobody won. I mean, he, the only Power 5 offer he had was Washington. And to see what he has done the last two years – uh, going to you know playing Washington three times three three times he was the underdog he won all three times take his team to the national championship game so Michael Penix has done a lot and I think that mental toughness is something that'll carry over to the NFL and I think that's the best thing you can say about him and you know translating to the pro game is just that mental fortitude that he has that he's going to bring to an NFL locker room from day one. Hey Dane, sometimes it's athleticism, it's speed, and then sometimes it's words. And CJ Stroud a year ago had me at ball placement specialist. He did, and yeah. he he backed it up in his rookie campaign in Houston too. 
He certainly did. And, you know, he had one of the best, you know, sitting there at Lucas Oil and watching him throw had one of the best workouts for a quarterback that I've seen. It's just very, very natural for him, his rhythm, uh, the way he can stay balanced. And obviously that translated. The NFL was not too big for him. He went to a great spot where they really, you know, married the the offense and what he does best. And, and, you know, that's that's the whole key. And I think, you know, we saw a little bit of that here in Indianapolis with Anthony Richardson and Sykin and what they were doing in that offense. And so, for all these quarterbacks, Caleb and Drake May and Jaden Daniel, JJ McCarthy, I just hope they go to a spot where there's an offensive play caller that understands what they do best and then, you know, caters the offense uh, around around that. So they are in a position to be their best selves. And that's that's not always a guarantee. Uh, but hopefully these guys go to that type of situation so we can have uh, maybe a few more rookies uh, show out like uh, C.J. Stroud did last year. Hey, Dan, in closing here, too, do you, you kind of view the Steichen-Richardson combination as a long-term winner around here. Do you like it? I don't know how, uh, you know, you can't be optimistic, right? I mean, you, based off of what we saw, um, you know, Anthony Richardson had like a grand total of, what, 370-some uh, 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 pass attempts in his college career. Like, did, did we have to sit? We have to do No, they put him out there and they were able to, you know, we're, they're winning games because of Anthony Richardson and what he was able to do to help move the offense. And so, uh, yeah, the injury was a setback, but I think you have to be optimistic about this pairing moving forward. And I'm eager to see what they do this offseason to help him even more. Is that another pass catcher? What do they do to, you know, help? And the offensive line was so much better and it should be even better after another year. But I am eager to see what they do to continue that Anthony Richardson maturation, considering he missed so much time with that injury. Well, we're going to be relying on you for all that information Mm -hmm. in anticipation for what Chris Ballard is going to do to add to this offense moving forward with uh, Anthony Richardson coming back and uh, what they do coming up in this draft. It's Dane Brugler of The Athletic. His podcast is up, tells you position by position, everything you need to know. Follow him at dpbrugler.com on X as well and uh, he'll be in town with everybody else for the Combine later on this week. Dane, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Hopefully we can do it again prior to the upcoming NFL Draft, but thank you for the knowledge per usual. No, anytime. Thank you. Dane Brugler of The Athletic or the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The ruling on Friday regarding NIL and how that is going to affect the uh, short and longer term here. Dennis Dodd on that and more from CBS on the other side. Your chance to win. I'm going to work in some calls as well for the top of the hour. Reminder, don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Dennis Dodd of CBS coming up in a bit. The world of the ever-changing NIL is what we're talking about, I guess, right? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really good too. Whenever all the players become employees, and then halfway through the season, you go, "Yeah, you know what? You stink." I'm going to go ahead and take away your money. <laughs> they have a union. They have contracts. I just, 
<laughs> I, I know, again, I, I'm aging myself in a lot of things, I guess. However, the one thing I don't age myself on is just wanting to enjoy as well. And so much of this ends up like sucking the life out of it. I'm always going to love basketball, and I'm always going to love basketball. I should say I'm always going to love it, always going to watch it. But having to keep up with this stuff and feeling the need to talk about it and uh, be educated about it, it's going to drive you nuts. Yeah, the court storming stuff, that even goes back. It goes way back to me. I just hate it when people walk on the floor with their street shoes. I do. I've always hated that. Seriously, if you're out there, what what keeps a player, if you're running out there like they did at Wake Forest, that Filipkowski should have just like hauled off and knocked somebody out, I guess. He can get sued. In school, get sued. Everybody would get sued. That's probably what it's going to take. JMV, today is phenomenal outside, but it looks like a jacket-off weather session for Tuesday afternoon. I heard about that. Maybe the roof will open later in the week at Lucas Oil for the NFL Combine. I doubt if that is going to happen. But the weather today, from what I understand outside, I cannot see, but from what I understand, is outstanding. Stephen Holder, top of the hour. Jeremiah Johnson talked Pacers a little bit earlier. Pacers, Raptors tonight. That is a 7 o'clock tip. 6.30, your coverage begins. We have an Anything Goes with Little Feet and Los Lobo tickets up for grabs for you. A shout-out to the Brown County Music Center last night, too, while I'm thinking about it. Toto, I was going to go, and uh, Christian called me and said, hey, do you want to go? And I'm on my way back from uh, Puppy Detail at my mom's. Uh, with the kids, and I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. i got to go on with Chris Hagg and a Fox 59 here. But from what I understand, Toto put on an outstanding performance at the Brown County Music Center last night. And what a place, by the way, too. One of the best. And uh, thank you, Christian, for asking about it, too. All right, Dennis Dodd in a couple of minutes. Bill's at 239-1070 right now. Bill, welcome to the show. How are you? JMV, where's the party at this week? The party? I don't know if I'm out this week. I have to go to the Combine on Wednesday. I don't think I'm out this week, but Bill, I will tell you this. A little bit of rest before we really get started, because as we work into March, we're going to be everywhere, including at O'Reilly's, which is always legendary for St. Patrick's Day. Well, I'll go ahead and accept this week as the bye week and just get ready for <laughs> Yes. We'll all get a little bit of rest. It's like like last week with me being a bit under the weather, right? Was I guess a good time to have it. But it was great to see you on Friday at Gigi's. Oh, Gigi's was ooh la la to quote my French, man. That was a that, that was a great place. And the pot <laughs> yes. roast and the pot roast melt yes. is a sandwich to drive for. I'll tell you that that was that was really good. But uh yeah, I want to talk about the storming of the court. Yes. Um uh, number one, I've seen one view of the center getting uh, his knee damaged, and I'm of the opinion that guy targeted him because he had a running start. Uh, he was probably, you know, probably about a, almost a foot and a half shorter than the center. But if you if you look at the one angle that they show, he dropped his shoulder and he targeted that knee, and that kid is gonna you know 
Well, you got a bunch of knuckleheads like screaming out of the stands, like, yeah, and and that's that's what they do. I mean, they want to go out there and have fun. I just don't think they should be out there in general. But yeah, you got a bunch of screaming fans coming straight at you like a horde of nuts. So that's exactly that's exactly the type of thing that they hope did happen, and it did. Hopefully, the the kid wasn't hurt any more than than evidently it seems. But yeah, just go ahead and put a stop to the madness. Right, you yeah, can have fun to. in different ways. It doesn't have to be running out, streaming out onto the floor like that. And I don't care if it were the watch shot or anything. You don't need to be doing it. Yeah, it says so on the back of your ticket. So the guy's got. I mean, even though nobody reads <laughs> in the back of the ticket, uh, yeah. well, that's uh, tickets know, he, now. He, there's he, no he, more. He, there's no more tickets to have a back two now. So yeah, well, yeah, I guess that's pretty bad. That's that's pretty much the the case. Yeah. But uh, but I think I think this guy's really gonna really gonna go down. And uh, and you were talking about what people do to the or the floor oh, and, I hate to, it. To, to, to compromise it on March the 3rd, 1979, after the Utah stars played the Pacers at the old market square arena, the Pacers trotted out something called Victor, the wrestling bear and Victor, he wasn't a biker. I mean, this was a, a Brown Alaskan bear that they muzzled and they declawed him. And you could wrestle. Well, that's where semi-pro got that idea. The film semi-pro got that idea from that. Did they not? Yes, they did. Yeah. But, but for some reason, you know, the Pacers thought, well, maybe this would be a good idea. I wonder who I, I I doubt that it was Donnie Walsh. I don't think Donnie Walsh was even with the the Pacers at that (laughs) time, but, but what a crazy promotional deal that was, but they're not going to need to do any promotional deals for the Pacers of, of 2024. Because these guys will just wear you down. I mean, at the end of that game, Kyrie Irving and, and Doncic were, were missing their shots, and Obi Toppin was hot. And I don't know who you stop. I, I just don't know who you stop on the Pacers. And you can't, you know, you can't defend the pick and roll with Miles because he'll either drill the three and you'll be dropping back. And and he's turned into a really good passer. And one of the things about Miles in this last game, his ability to hit layups. Twisting layups is better than I've ever seen, and I've, of course, I'm like a lot of other people. I've, I've watched it, watched him his entire career. But uh, just in, in closing, man, uh, uh, I, I get it. Everybody wants to get on the Anthony Richardson bandwagon, but by October next year, I'm going to be renaming him Jonathan Bender. Cause oh man, you're going to break a lot of hearts around here. That's going to hey, hurt my, people. I tell you what, might as well get your heart broken now before the season starts. Billy, I'll see you once we're out again soon. I just don't think we're out this week. But we'll be out next week, and we'll return with a vengeance, I promise you. You betcha. See you then. Oh, my man Billy right there. It was great to see him at Gigi's on Friday. That is a great time. Where's Dodd? Is Dodd MIA missing in action? I was told he's wrapping up a doctor's appointment. We are getting squoze when it comes to end-of-the-hour timing here. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. Like, Alex wrote me this earlier. How was your timeline last night with the Miles Haters? It is a handful of ignorant folks, and that's about it. Seriously, that's about it. Just a handful of ignorance. I read you that a little bit earlier. That's kind of the height of the ignorance. I said, listen, all you got to do, ask the best player on the court. Or maybe not, depending upon how you view Luka or Kyrie, ask the best player in the Pacers uniform. Ask them that. Ask him what he thinks. 
In fact, they did last night. Dustin DePurak did a story about it in the Star Today. You know, it's okay sometimes, yeah, you had a really good game, and not be such a blank about it. You had a really good game. 33 and 8's a good game. Good for him. He fits well. Nothing wrong with it. You know, just because everybody else does or seemingly everybody else does doesn't mean you have to be a crank on social media. Doesn't mean it. Don't you think it's gotten worse? You think X being X now, don't you think it's gotten worse than it has been? Oh, yeah. I open mine up and it's like nothing but like chick bots, like porn bots. Oh, yeah. Does that say something about me? Is this like the reflection of me? No, I think that's everything. I never really thought myself as like porn mustache porn guy <laughs> but apparently i'm like every time i open up my account it's like all these different quotes being liked from all these fake porn women anybody else have a porn issue <laughs> you might want to rephrase that porn issue yeah all right we'll see if dennis dodd shows if not that's okay he had a doctor's appointment evidently I would have, if if I were doing this show, I would have just had the doctor's appointment and like done it at the same time, like I would have last week. A quick break. Reach out, return. Stephen Holder will be here coming up at the top of the hour, too. we got an Anything Goes after 6 o'clock. Little Feet and Los Lobos tickets up for grabs. I shall explain. Shane Steichen, Colts head coach, coming up on Wednesday. That is our first and maybe only, but certainly our first day at the NFL Combine at the Convention Center coming up on Wednesday. Shane Steichen midweek for you. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's Jim Pimmer, now talk to him, damn it! 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Combine coming up on Wednesday. Shane Steichen, Colts head coach, going to be with me. We'll see about the rest of the week. I told executive producer Todd Meyer that if we can uh, cobble together a guest list Thursday and Friday, I will go. But most of the time, as I've explained in the past, because of three until six, sometimes there's not a lot going on and somebody's like sweeping up. I go back to the days, by the way. I was at the Combine on Radio Row when we were on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium the capital side of Lucas Oil Stadium. And I was the only one there. That was where the, the how should I put this, the infamous Adam Schefter interview took place. Adam Schefter and I have had some interesting times. Uh, that was the, the most infamous on the air time. Took place on Radio Row at the Combine. When it was, we were still doing Radio Row at Lucas Oil Stadium uh, right off of Capitol. Yeah, ask me that sometime when I have a little bit more time and I'll explain it to you. It is a worthy story to say the least. So was this with that injunction, I think on Friday in both Tennessee and Virginia, uh, the NIL certainly got uh, more detailed 
Yeah, not to mention, as we get further and further, it looks like the NCAA is further and further in that rear view. And from CBS to explain, Dennis Dodds on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Dennis, thank you for the time today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I hope everything medically is fantastic for you, my brother. I do. Oh, no, it was it was a follow-up. It was nothing. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. That's well done. Hey, how did things on Friday dramatically, not so dramatically, explain it to us here. How did it change the landscape of things now moving forward? Well, real quick, because of a previous ruling, not the one you just mentioned, but a, but a previous um, temporary injunction, uh, what Friday meant was that for the foreseeable future, the next period of months, there is no restriction on transferring uh, as many times as you want, uh, the only restriction there is you can't play for two schools in one semester, but you can transfer, no restriction, and there will be no restriction on NIL benefits through collectives. So it, coaches that complained about the wild, wild west have no idea. It's about to get wilder. And this is, this is really the first day of it actually you know, happening. So we're kind of seeing things in dribs and drabs of, of offers coming in. Now, obviously, the player, and Dennis Dodd joins us of CBS, is going to be uh, the most beneficial from all this right now. Where does that put the schools in this case? And what does that do, for example, Indiana State, I'm a grad, I love Indiana State, mid-major, Missouri Valley. How will this affect uh, a team like Indiana State and those mid-major teams? Well, the, the players still can't do deals directly with the schools. Now, oddly enough, NCAA President Charlie Baker in your town proposed in December that that be allowed. It's just a proposal. It's being talked about. But I think the larger discussion is that anything's going to go. I think you cut to the chase on all this. By this time next year, we will either have some sort of collective bargaining agreement with players and or pay for play slash employees. And at this point, I don't think it'll be that big a deal. I think we've lived this, um, a look at this the last two and a half years since NIL has started. And does anybody care on Saturday when USC plays Colorado that Shador Sanders drives a Maybach? I don't. I'm, I'm breaking down the game to see who wins. And the fans have voted with their feet, record attendance. Last season was arguably the highest rated college football season in history. I, I think we're I think we're way past it. I think the public has accepted the future um, and rejected the NCA argument that you know this this will cut on into attendance and it will cause uh, people not to watch TV. That's ridiculous. Uh, the game's never been more popular. So Dennis Dodd of CBS, you can find him at Dennis Dodd CBS on X. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So. Um... Ah, it's it's right here, and I'm sure they're probably listening right now. Where's the uh, Where's the NCAA stand in all of this moving forward? Uh, diminished, if not dead. Um, I've been writing the NCAA's dead for 15 years. Friday was significant. Uh, you know what? They put on a heck of a party every March, <laughs> and that can't be taken that can't be taken away from them. Frankly, um, they do a really really good job with basketball and the other championships. Uh, if you've ever been to baseball, that's one of the best on the down low um, championships there is out there. It's really, really fun. In Omaha, I don't know what's going to happen with enforcement. 
and all that. They seem to be toothless, although there are a number of cases out there, including Tennessee. Uh, I would like to know right now where that case stands since, you know, the, uh, the ruling was made on Friday. Uh, that came directly from the Attorney General of Tennessee, who filed the antitrust lawsuit against the NCAA. So I don't know where they are on that case, which really involves the freshman quarterback, Nikolai Maleva, who was paid, signed a contract for $8 million with the Tennessee Collective. You know, I suspect we'll see more of that, given what we're talking about. But I also suspect this, that, you know, the market forces will apply. If there are enough kids that sign to these deals that don't pan out, and smart, peeping, smart thinking businessmen won't spend the money. Um, you know, it's, it's the same reason there aren't more Mercures anymore. They suck. They're terrible cars. Um, <laughs> but if you throw good money after bad, the market will, uh, will reorient itself. <laughs> I think we almost <laughs> bought one of those in 1987, yeah. Dennis. To be honest with you, almost. Yes. I don't know where that poll came from, actually, but it, I did. <laughs> Dennis Dodd is is with us. So there's a vote coming up, I believe, right, regarding the prospect of unionization uh, for the college athlete, right? Is that coming up with with Dartmouth in mind? Am I wrong? Uh, Dartmouth. Yeah, Dartmouth March 5th will vote formally, and that I think they. Unless it's delayed, I think it's still March 5th, and they are expected, uh, those players, those 15, I think, to unanimously um, approve unionization. Now, the process legally could last years. And, again, based on what I just told you, I think the landscape will be settled before that case is even heard. But they've been allowed to unionize. I think they've all signed union cards. Um, I think there will be more of that. And, you know, that'll just be another thing to deal with, whether, look, unionization doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to make a million dollars. In fact, the case was made during that hearing on, on Dartmouth's unionization. Well, Dartmouth basketball doesn't make money. And the judge said, you know what, it doesn't matter. It's, it's about working conditions. That's what a union basically is. You can bargain working conditions, which include salary, and they could bargain for that. But I think in the, in the short term, You'll see these players, you know what, we want to practice at 8 a.m., not 6 a.m. Um, we want to leave at this time for um, That's good. For games yeah. on the road. I mean, think of the, think of the Big Ten. Yeah. They're going to have charters going everywhere. Uh, we, want, we want this served on the plane. It sounds outrageous, but that's the kind of things you can bargain. I don't have a problem with that. Hey, Dennis, quickly in closing, what does this do to the value of a coach's contract? Like, when does the, the players you assemble monetarily uh, completely outweigh value-wise that to a coach's contract? Well, there is some thought to, you know, the economic model. If you're paying the coach all this money, where does the money come from to pay players? And I would submit that in this model, the money to pay players doesn't necessarily come from – you know, schools that could come from collectives are part of it. But I think there's have to be a reorganization of athletic budgets where some of that, that money is taken away from coaches. Some, uh, some uh, sports will be dropped. Some will go down to club level. I think none of those sports are guaranteed uh, or, quote, unquote, owed in existence. I know that sounds crass, but that's the way the world is. Um, and I think the last thing that will happen, you know, actually, is that, you know, Adabo Sweeney will have his salary cut. He may – 
But I think that'll be the last thing that happens, if you know what I'm saying. It's uh, Dennis Dodd at Dennis Dodd CBS. You can follow him. He's got all the knowledge for you right there. Dennis, we'll do it again soon. I appreciate you jumping on here and explaining certainly to a level in which I cannot. Thank you for coming on here. And uh, I'm assuming we'll be doing this here in the, the not so distant future again. Uh, we could do it daily the way things are going now. <laughs> Dennis, I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. It's uh, Dennis Dodd of CBS on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Yeah. This is going to be fun. It's like a big amusement park ride right here. Quick one. We'll return. Stephen Holder, 5 o'clock hour. More me, more of you. The AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live as well. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James, over there, I'm John. Thank you for joining us. A glorious day, everybody, in central Indiana. Take advantage of it, but make sure you have us dialed in. Because if you don't, I'm going to be pissed. My Sycamores, check that. Our Sycamores, 24-5, and five, a one-game advantage over Drake in the Missouri Valley Conference. Got Evansville and then Murray State. I'm going over to Paradise on Sunday with Greg Rakestraw to watch that regular season finale against the Racers. So I'll see you over there. And we'll see what happens in Arch Madness. But the Sycamores, a good weekend. The Boilermakers, a good weekend. The Hoosiers and the Butler Bulldogs, not so much. And then, of course, you get the Pacers over the Mavericks and what I thought was their best game of the season. Most complete game of the season from start to finish. Who would agree? Second of a back-to-back tonight against the Raptors. That's Gambridge Fieldhouse. Tip time tonight at 7 o'clock. Your coverage begins right here at 6.30. Jeremiah Johnson of Bally Sports Indiana a little bit earlier. Dennis Dodd of CBS and Dane Brugler of The Athletic talks from Combine because that's coming up this weekend as well. Or check that this week. I'll be down there on Wednesday. So you watch. this is what's going to happen. So Shane Steichen's at 3.30, right, with the media. And then Shane Steichen joins me after. And then Ian Rappaport's going to join me at 3.40, did you say, James? Coming up on Wednesday? Yeah, 3.40. Right. So I guarantee you they're going to be right on top of one another. Because uh, So Stike is going at 3.30. Um, so I'm assuming that'll take about seven minutes with normally how he answers questions. So we're going to have to stretch this out a little bit. And to help us do that on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN and ESPN.com, he is Stephen Holder. So... How many minutes would you expect Shane Steichen to be taking questions from you and the uh, the gathering media members there? I'd say about seven minutes. What do you think? <laughs> Listen, we have the, like a, a running joke on the press conferences. Like, how long can we keep them going? And if we get to seven or eight minutes, we are patting ourselves on the back. Like, we are breaking our arm to pat ourselves on the back. Okay? Because that's an accomplishment, brother. Uh, he, <laughs> this guy, he is nothing if not consistent. And 
I've told him that. Like, he knows. And I've even told him, that, man, you are terrible. <laughs> In a half-serious, half-joking kind of way. He knows it's it's fine. He you know his whole thing is like you know look, uh, none of this stuff's going to help me. Nothing I say is going to help me. He's not wrong. I just you know don't like to admit it. So, yeah, well, it's all good. I kept him when he first got hired. I kept him on for fourteen minutes, and I needed some sort of medal for it. Um, and yeah, you really. I, mean, I was. I was. Key to the city. I that. was getting down. I was getting down to it. However, I had to listen to him do his first interview. Basically, I thirty minutes before I went on, he was on with Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, and. I listened to him and I thought, I've got to be loaded up with like three and four questions because literally, (laughs) even at that moment, the first ones here, he was like five word answers and out every time. No, man. I mean, that's what you see uh, in those, those pressers. I mean, that's, that's it, man. And now off the podium, he's a different guy. Um, And, you know, when, when he's not in front of a microphone, he is a different guy. That being said, he's still not the chattiest guy even there. Right. Okay. And and even if you get him talking, like he, it, it oftentimes is, it always goes back to football. You try to get him talking about like, you know, you know, like, what do you like to do? What do you like to drink? I don't know, that kind of thing. And it, somehow it always gets back to football because when they say that guy is all ball, they are not lying. I remember at the owner's meetings last year, he had just gotten hired and you know, I was there with my daughter. My 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 family came with me, so we're there at, at the party. The the Monday night party at the owners' meeting is the only thing the NFL does for us ever, and it's pretty cool. So I'll give them that. Um, the rest of the year we don't matter. <laughs> but but the Monday night party at the owners' meeting doesn't suck. Okay, um, it's the only time I'm on equal footing with billionaires. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> we're hanging out at the party and trying to make conversation. <laughs> it was painful, man. It was painful. But listen. He ain't here to talk. He's here to coach football, and yeah. the guy can coach his butt off. So I guess we got that going. Well, you'd much you'd much rather have a success as a coach than a yip-yapper mm-hmm. to us. So that's what matters. Look, I mean, if you got a pick, right, I mean, you want the guy who can who can get it done on Sunday. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And uh, Shane Steichen with the media coming up on Wednesday. Is there anything, Stephen, you're looking forward to asking, talking about with either Steichen or, um, or Ballard? The one thing that occurred to me – um, I, I was kind of curious if you guys were going to go back to it. Will you go back to that that final play call um, that that ended so badly as it did against Houston in that final game of the regular season? Will you go back to that? And then, how much do you make of a defense that you know had its best season at you know, getting after the quarterback in forever, deciding to go away from? the uh, the current, the present defensive line coach. So those two are the things at the top of the list for both? I mean, those are two issues. I mean, the, the, I would say that the the play at the end of the Texans game, I, I think that one, I don't think we'll learn anything new from, about that because I don't think there is anything new to learn. What I mean by that is I think it's one of those things where you either accept the – explanation that, you know, we had a good play dialed up and it didn't, it it just wasn't executed well, or you think differently. And I don't know that anyone's right or wrong. I mean, it's okay to feel differently about it. Uh, But I, I just think that we know where we know where Shane stands on it. And he, his position is we had a good play dialed up. It just didn't get executed. And 
I firmly believe that that won't change. In fact, I know it won't change because he has told other people, and I know this, he's told other people the same thing very recently, you know, that he still sees it that way. They just, you know, they didn't execute it. And it was, it was there, it was wide open. It just didn't get done. So he still feels that way. That position hasn't changed. Um, I don't have a good answer on the defensive line um, coaching change. I was surprised by it, um, not up in arms or anything, but, but definitely surprised by it, given the production. And I don't know if we'll get an honest answer, but it, it is worth asking for sure. Yeah, I just those two things stick out to me. Anything else that you have crosshairs-wise to ask coming up this week? Well, I, I, I guess the only thing would be like, you know, now that they've had a chance to take a step back um, – and now that we know Anthony Richardson, it seems that he's on track, you know, like, um, you know, just what, what have, what have they been thinking about or what will they eventually when they sort of get closer to, to off season workouts, you know, what will be the emphasis with him? I mean, last year it was so, it was a, it was a cram session, right? In the off season with Anthony Richardson, uh, it was really about how much can we teach this guy in, the, in this short period of time that we have, how can we pack all of this in even while he was, you know, just trying to learn the playbook and all that. And so I, and even though Anthony didn't play last year to a great degree, I wonder like, what's the emphasis going to be this year? Um, because he's not starting from scratch. You know, he, he did play some, he had the whole off season. He, he, he played enough to show us something. So they're not starting from a blank slate. Um, I think how will they further accelerate him this year and, and get him to a point when on opening day, He's further down the line, and he's further ahead uh, than he was last opening day. I, I think that will happen naturally, but you want to accelerate it as much as possible. And and I'll tell you, like I, I've learned some things and talking to some people recently, just about Anthony Richardson's uh, just just the the mental aptitude of this guy. I don't think we talk enough about it, and that's what I'm told. And and I I would say that that's true from my observation. Uh, I think they can really you know, sort of uh, go hard with this guy and really, you know, really lean into, you know, how much he can handle and how much he can learn and, and, and execute and, and add to his repertoire. Because I think the, I think it's more than people think. So Stephen Holder of ESPN, ESPN.com on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline, the elevation of the salary cap. Uh, what did that do? And I know this is just kind of throwing darts at the proverbial dart board here, but what did you think that that could do situationally speaking to help out the Colts moving forward? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, let's just say this. I mean, uh, $255 million per team. I mean, that is just an astronomical number. Uh, that's a jump of over $30 million from last season. Granted, the, the increases in the, in the salary cap uh, had, had basically been eliminated the last two years because of the COVID um, revenue falls or shortfalls and all that, right? Um, not a shortfall, but decrease in the revenue. The salary cap is tied to revenue. If revenue falls, the salary cap falls. That's just how that works. So they have, they have sort of satisfied all of the, the setbacks that they have with COVID. So now the revenue is where they hoped it would be and actually even better than, um, than it was originally. So that's how you get that big jump in the salary cap. So anyhow, it, it doesn't hurt. 
But I wouldn't say that it's a, a cure-all for the Colts, and here is why. Because all that means now is that other teams also have more money, not just the Colts. So to some degree, I actually think it's going to, to increase uh, what this free agent class is going to earn. So it might actually move the needle, uh, say, in the Michael Pittman negotiations. It may actually move the needle to where the asking price is even higher just because the, the money out there now is going to be a greater or a bigger pool of money. So anyway, um, we'll see how it goes, but, but I don't think it necessarily has uh, – it, it doesn't just impact the Colts. Let's put it that way, right? I mean, it has a positive impact on everybody, um, and that doesn't make it any less complicated for the Colts, I guess. All right. Um, T. Higgins, obviously the franchise tag yep. with the Bengals – they haven't utilized the franchise tag since McAfee. Is there any reason to believe that they may do that for the first time in a long time before the deadline? So this is not me reporting this, okay? I'm Uh-oh. giving you my opinion. Uh-oh. I want to be clear. Okay. No, no, no. I want to just I want to make that clear to people because, okay. you know, sometimes people are half listening and all that. I'm just telling you now, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get the tag. I'm just telling you now. How, how how else can this end? And if I wrote a story about this, actually, it's supposed to run tomorrow. I, I just don't see how – I don't see a scenario where Michael Pittman doesn't get tagged. I don't. Because here's why. A couple of things. And I'll outline this in the story. Number one, we know this guy, he ain't taking no hometown discount. Nor should he, okay? I, I'm not suggesting he should. But that ain't even in the conversation, brother, okay? Like, my man wants – every penny that's coming to him. And you know what? He waited longer than anybody. He played the contract out. All their other marquee players, none of them did that. He played the contract out, give the man his money, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, He earned it, right? So I understand him taking that position. The other thing is, uh, if you are the Colts, uh, you have to assume, like this guy has already said that he's very interested in testing the market. Michael Pittman has said that on the record. He said that multiple times. So if that is what he says, you have to believe him. I, I have no issue with that. I take no issue with him saying that. Um, and he says that's how, you, that's how you're going to find out what you're worth. So you have to take him at his word. If he's going to do that, I wouldn't like this if I was the player, but the team has the franchise tag at their disposal. It's the only – it's a chess move, right? It's the only move you can make if you truly want the player and he's telling you, I'm going to go to test the market where there's a bunch of money out there. Well, you better franchise him. <laughs> okay. You better franchise him. I don't think there's any deal like imminent or anything like that to where they may get it done before the franchise tag deadline. I, I don't, that's possible. But as we see here today, that isn't something I would say is likely. So, I hope all this makes sense. All I'm saying is if you look at the available evidence, you look at the circumstances, to me, this results in a franchise tag. Doesn't that give them more time as well to sort things out on a longer-term basis? 100%. That's all it really does generally is you're kicking the can down the road. Uh, it, It does. It favors the team. There's no doubt about that. I mean, you're restricting the player. He's not a, he's no longer an unrestricted free agent. So I get it. I know why players hate the franchise tag because you go from unrestricted to basically you're now a hostage, right? So I would hate it too. But in terms of a, 
of a, of a chess move for the team. I mean, talk about a trump card. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's huge, man. You know, you can basically take your best player and basically take him off the market. I mean, there isn't another – I don't know of another – another rule in, in major pro sports that allows a team to have that kind of advantage, you know, in, in a negotiation situation. And, and it's huge, man. So again, I don't know how they just don't use it unless they just don't care. And they're fine with him walking because that if you don't tag him, you have now significantly increased the likelihood of him walking. Michael Pittman wants to play for the Colts. Yes. But Michael Pittman also wants to maximize this opportunity. And it might be another team that results or that enables him to do that. And so if you let him get to the market, anything is possible. Who's second most important to take care of after Michael Pittman Jr.? At least I think that's that's my opinion. I'm assuming that's yours as well. Who's uh, yeah. after Michael Pittman Jr. in that hierarchy? That's a good question. I, I think you have to go to um, one of either Grover Stewart or Kenny Moore. The second, um, uh, Grover Stewart, I, I think, I think Kenny Moore and Grover Stewart are comparable players in terms of impact. Okay. I think they're very comparable. What I would say is that in the system that they play, there's probably a little more emphasis on what Grover Stewart does and his contributions. Does that make sense? So, if you look at it from that perspective, I guess you might say a slight edge to Grover Stewart, but I'm, I'm a big Kenny Moore guy and I think he's worth paying. I think he, from a, a couple of things, number one, his, his leadership from a leadership perspective. I mean, it's huge having him, he has grown into a leader. And I think that's important, particularly in a secondary that is as young as theirs. So that's that's the first thing. The other thing is he's a damn good player. He's a really good player, an underrated player, uh, who who actually might have more value for another team depending on the system that they run. But but be that as it may, I just think he's a really important piece for them and had a really good season after in year one under Gus Bradley. I was very I was very much of the opinion like this might not work, you know, like maybe this guy isn't going to be long for them in this system. But both sides, Kenny and the team, uh, kind of figured out ways to get the most out of him in 2023, and he had a much better season. He is Stephen Holder of ESPN on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The Combine in town this week. We're talking that up. Are you going to be watching for any possible heir appearance in this combine, um, and, and if you are, is there a particular position that jumps out as to maybe, maybe not, you know, at 15, for example, but at some point in the draft, the Colts may be drafting an heir apparent for a positional player? Uh, I, I don't know. I guess hard to say, I, but I would say this. It, this is one of those drafts where uh, you're going to get a real Chris Ballard draft here. And what I mean by that Uh-oh, is, what, what, no, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I almost here's tried. I, I, I giggled just for a minute. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> here, here's what I mean by that. Like he he's, he's all about like, first of all, with the, with the 15th pick, if they actually make that pick. Okay. Cause I am, I am bracing for them to trade down uh, because that's what he does. Right. And, and I'm not 
judging it, good or bad. I'm just saying it's going to probably be a draft where he hits all the notes. Um, I think the likelihood of a trade down is there. I would say that he also is going to take some, some, some traits guys with, with high upside, maybe thinner on the, uh, the college resume in some cases. Uh, he's, he's not going to necessarily pick all the marquee positions. He's going he's gonna to add some depth, I think, at some key spots, which I think is important. Uh, so, look, a lot of times we come away from these drafts and we're like, all right, I don't know, man. I don't know. But where they really do well, I think, is not necessarily in the first round. Where they do well is rounds two, three, four, five to some degree. I, I think they're, that's their wheelhouse. And I think, look, if they trade down and get a couple extra picks there, they could stockpile a lot of guys. And, and they actually have – they actually have the kind of team. Look, I know everybody wants that marquee pick, and I, I get it. I'm I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that, but but they are kind of a team right now that needs to kind of build up um, the the sort of core of their team. You know, the depth. Because I thought last year was a great example of them having some key injuries, like I.E. in the secondary, and and it just basically short circuiting their season to a degree. And this is how you prevent that. You got to draft. You got to use those those early to mid round picks. You got to make the most of those. They are good at that. They are good at that. Now, their drafts would be viewed differently if Chris Ballard put more emphasis on first round picks. He trades out a lot. He trades down. Even sometimes, even in the second round, he's trading back. So I get why people are frustrated with that. But they do get results out of those things. The the trade off is that you don't get those potentially marquee guys because they tend to go early. But, you know, look, it's a philosophical thing. I get it. All right. I'm going to ask you this because I'd love to see them do it. Uh, Likelihood, I'm assuming no. But would they have enough interest in Marvin Harrison Jr. to try to actually try to do something about it? Oh, man. I mean – I'm here for it if they do. Oh, I'm right here for it, too. I'm getting a sports right. sports arousal as I was asking the question. <laughs> like, how many hours of radio could we get out of that? Oh, right? Well, look out. Everybody better jump over it now because if yeah. there's a positive spin placed on this, we may be stuck in here all night. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, unfortunately, I don't have that for you. <laughs> what okay, I'm gonna, great. What I'm going to say is quite the opposite. Look, if you look at all of the – all of the indicators, okay, I, I don't see anything that suggests they would do that. That doesn't mean they won't. I, you always leave open the possibility. But look at who we're talking about here. We just talked about Chris Ballard's tendencies. Trade down, right? We, we talked about, or we, or we can look at his history, uh, wide receivers. How has he treated wide receivers generally? I don't know that he's – I mean, Michael Pittman, he's drafted him in the second. He's drafted Alec Pierce in the second. But those are those guys were drafted in years where they absolutely positively had to have uh, wide receivers. And they were content to wait. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, there's there's never been this beat-the-door-down urgency about that position. Now – I don't know if this guy is different. I I mean, obviously he's different. I don't know if they see him differently. I don't know. But I would say this. The the other thing that makes an argument against them doing it is this is a really deep wide receiver class. So if you're Chris Ballard, you're thinking most likely, okay, why would I 
give up assets to move up, even though he's an incredible player, give up assets, move up, and then come away with fewer picks when I can just sit where I am and get a really good guy at the same position who's maybe one notch down. I mean, that's, a, that's an argument that you have to consider, and it's a compelling argument to, in his defense. So I don't see a scenario where they do it. it just, there's nothing about them or the situation that suggests the Colts would make a move for Marvin Harrison uh, Jr., in my opinion. I was sitting here hoping that maybe I know, I know. Chris listen. Ballard would do something a little bit different now because listen, of, listen, man. of I, Richardson. Listen, listen I, I would. do you know how much web traffic – I could produce from Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Colts. (laughs) Especially if you got me quoting sports arousal in there. There's no doubt. Loaded. I mean, right. I mean, when you put that in the headline and we're talking about, we're breaking the internet. Okay. So I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I just, I don't know. I can't lie to people, man. I don't see it happening. Hey, before I let you go, anything uh, new regarding Jim Irsay? No, um, I, I think things are still positive. I, I hesitate, though, to to just assume that, that everything's back to normal because I don't quite think that's true. Um, this is always kind of a fun is. weekend for him, was it not, to to meet people that he likes so much? So, what, what, I'm sorry, say it one more time. But this was always a kind of a fun week, right, a weekend for him around oh, here? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes. I, I mean, Maybe he, not. He wasn't, he wasn't always around for the combine. I, I think the next – milepost would be the owners meeting. So we're about, um, we're actually about a month out from that in Orlando. I'll be down there for that. I have no idea if he'll be there. Um, you know, uh, there are some, some sessions, um, at the owner, I'm sorry, at the combine that are, that are going on this week. Carly Ursay is involved in one, you know, like a forum type, you know, session and that kind of networking things that they do. Uh, she's involved in a couple of them. Uh, no sign of Jim that I'm aware of. So I, I don't know. I, I guess the question is now, yes, okay, he's out of the proverbial woods, you know, whatever that means. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's all the way back to, to where he was prior to this episode. And that's what I'm unclear about. So I think we got to give it a little more time. I just wanted, I, wanted, I was kind of curious um, if he was able or in a position to say – Move up and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at some point. <laughs> well, and that's that's the kind of thing I'm curious about. You know, like what is his level of involvement? Yeah. I actually don't think it's um, at its at its previous level right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, it doesn't appear that it is at least. You know, so so I think he's still on the mend, as he said. I think that is still an ongoing process, um, but better than where he was, for sure. Stephen Holder of ESPN and ESPN.com is uh, today, and at least for part of tomorrow, incredible weather. It takes a dip on Wednesday, reemerges, I think, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday around here, having a nice weekend. So enjoy out-of-towners, and make sure you show everybody a good time, Stephen, okay? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I got to get some of them to buy me some drinks at uh, Prime 47 for at least – I'm taking credit for the weather today. I'm I'm not taking credit for the rest of the week. So they owe me drinks for today's weather. Well, I mean, yeah, and take all your colleagues to yeah to wherever place. Take Schefter to White Castle. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got it. I'm on it. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate. It. Hey, by the way, if I'm down there, if you see me, come on over and join me for a little bit. Yeah, I'll be down every day. I'll you got it. it. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen Holder, ESPN, ESPN.com, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Actually, I love White Castle. You know that.
You like White Castle over there, James? Uh, yeah. What's the the sliders? The sliders mess my stomach up. Well, I mean, they mess everybody's stomach up, especially mine. My stomach's messed up anyway. The only problem I ever find with White Castle is I am not a big fan whatsoever of wet bread. And when, you know, you're steaming those and you put them in there, if you don't get right to them, then the bun can get wet. And, like, wet bread is not great. I will say I like the chicken ring slider things that they have. They're they're pretty good. We used to tease a dude. He was really smart, went to MIT. Seriously, somebody from Eastern Green attended MIT. His name is Randall. He was in my class, great friend, and you can tell by what I'm about to say, but we would tease him in the seventh grade. We would throw wet bread at him and make him throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Wet bread made Randall throw up. Randall graduated from MIT. I graduated from Indiana State. Who's the big winner? Randall. Wet bread thrower upper. Quick break. We'll come back. I, I got stuff for you, too. And, and here's what I got as we had a break. Little Feet live in concert with special guest Los Lobos. Coming to the Everwise Amphitheater, White River State Park, June the 20th, celebrating 50 years of their unique California rock, upbeat jazz sound. Tickets for Little Feet are on sale now at LiveNation.com. Your chance to win during Anything Goes after 6 o'clock, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. James over there, I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us. NFL Combine Convention Center on Wednesday. Shane Steichen, show Wednesday. Ian Rappaport, show Wednesday. I'm going to the Pacer game on Wednesday, too. Pacers and uh, the Pelicans coming up on Wednesday. I believe I'm going to go with my good friend Joe Childers of Carex, your 14th Central Indiana. CarX locations coming up on Wednesday. Pacers actually play tonight the second of a back-to-back. That's against the Raptors this evening. 6.30 pregame coverage right here at 7 o'clock. Is that tip time? Pacers look good. In fact, to me, it was their best start-to-finish performance of the season. Who's with me on it? With that win over the Mavericks. Dallas previously, seven consecutive wins. And I love the fact that the Pacers... Four-point advantage in the third. Kyrie Irving was taken over. And then you saw Ben Shepard knock down a three, and they didn't look back. I love when the opposition, when they go ahead and empty the bench with about two minutes remaining. There's a sports arousal for you. And it's not your team. When they're emptying the benches. Hey, JMV, I have... A porn bot issue as well on X. I blame you. I don't know. That's, how's that my problem? Although I just got one here too. Sarah says, James, that uh, she has a far better gift in her bio for me here. Oh. 
Hey, Sarah, <laughs> what kind of gift are you going to give me, Sarah? Sounds like you should click on any link that she sends you. It'll be totally fine. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. That'd be great, right? I don't even click on those either, but I, I get them nonstop. There's like more of that than there is Miles Turner jackassery. True story. Jamie, I heard that a little bit earlier. Comparing Richardson to Jonathan Bender was a huge stretch. I remember that bear, too, by the way. I found this old watch or clock. I'm not sure what it's good for, but I'm going to see if I can get it running. That's an old pacer clock right there. A little timepiece you hang from the belt loop. I wonder what year they gave those away. That's pretty cool right there. Yeah, see if you can get that bad boy running. Yeah, I said this a little bit earlier, too. I don't care. You're talking about court storming, uh, PE class, on your main floor, and wherever we're talking about in the state of Indiana, on your main basketball playing court, no street shoes of any kind ever. And walk around. You can walk around. It'll take you 15 extra steps. I know a lot of that came from the debate over the weekend of the court storming, and we should be past that by now. It's stupid. Stop. Let the kids celebrate. There are a variety of ways you can celebrate as a college student. That does not need to be prioritized. I'm sure in Winston-Salem they tripped the light fantastic after the game and into the Saturday evening there in Carolina. With that upset over Duke, it didn't necessarily take running out on the floor. And if you run out on the floor, right? If you run out on the floor, should it not? I mean, you kind of get you get what you deserve. So if you run out on the floor and somebody cold cocks you, you get that. You deserve that. Yeah, I saw Jay Billis was talking about running out on the floor and arresting mass arrests of everybody running out there. Just don't do it. No street shoes on the basketball court ever. And that's a standing rule. If you have street shoes on, walk around. Now, if you got basketball shoes on, walk out there. My God, why do we not know this? This is the state of Indiana. How do you not know? I know some. Like, I was forced to. I mean, we had kids. We had one court. You had to use it for PE. I mean, hell, everything was done on that court. Donkeys took dumps on it. We... (laughs) We played hockey on it. I mean, there was everything done to that court, but that's because we had one. Now you had a variety. Seemingly, everybody's got that extra gym now. The extra gym is where the street shoes and the cowboy boots and your boots, and you can get salt and dirt all over it and screw it up. Not your main court. And that also stands with court storming. We don't need your street shoes on that pristine floor. Ever. That's not going to handle it, mind you. But that is the thought in mind. Uh, Yeah, I've heard this too. I I cringe, Bobby. Not the upside word again. Here's my thought. Why skimp? All right, so you got a wide receiver. Wide receivers are plentiful, and you can trade back to get 
value. For the love of all that is holy, draft, draft the best player out there that you can at that moment. I mean, if that's who you believe is the best player, draft the best player. You just value yourself into a corner to me. If the best player that you like is there at 15, draft it. Draft that player. And if you want to, you want to move up, if you really like Marvin Harrison Jr., go for it. I would have to suggest that he has given you no reason far beyond his pedigree not to look at the value of him, especially with his offense, with his head coach, with his quarterback. Why would you skimp? Anybody? If you want Dr. Pepper, why settle for Dr. Thunder? Right, James? Dr. Thunder may be good, but it's not as good as Dr. Pepper. I actually don't like Dr. Pepper. I haven't had a soft drink in six years, seven years. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Because somebody told me that I was going to lose weight. Hey, you'll lose weight. You know what I didn't do? I didn't lose weight, all right? But I don't drink soft drinks. It's probably the other things I drink that really screws me over. Hey, you know what? If you cut out the sodas, the diet soda, everybody calls it the soda. If you cut out the sodas, you're going to use, there's nothing that's more silly to me than that. You're going to lose weight. Yeah, okay. Uh, Robbie says this, I'm with you. Screw value. I want a game changer. I'm tired of settling for a mediocre depth. I want a playmaker. If if you're going to have this guy as a coach and this guy as your quarterback, go for it. I know that it's easier said than done. I, I'm simplifying it way too much. But this whole value thing, this is just where I am. With trade value, value picks, and what I've talked about with you know, with the, both the Pacers and the Colts, it wears me out. Well, you know, we like this, but we can get maybe maybe a little bit lower wide receiver further down and get another pick. If you like that guy is the best, draft that guy is the best. We've been through like seven or eight years of doing that. Quick break, we'll come back. Your call's on the other side. We've got a little anything goes coming up here after uh, the top of the hour as well. I'll explain what's up for grabs with anything goes that is prior to the Pacers and the Raptors here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, we got anything goes coming up after 6 o'clock tonight. You guys going to be fired up and ready for that? Little Feet, live in concert, special guest Los Lobos, the Everwise Amphitheater, White River State Park, June the 20th. 
Celebrating 50 years of their unique California rock, upbeat jazz sound, tickets for Little Feet are on sale now at LiveNation.com. I'll give you a chance to win a pair during Anything Goes coming up today in the 6 o'clock hour. 239-1070 is that number if you want to jump on here. Uh, JMV, check out who the Pacers liked and drafted in 2021. Go for I'm talking about in terms here of the Colts, though. And if you have interest in Marvin Harrison Jr., the move on it. Again, easier said than done. I think we're all okay with a little bit of go for it by now. Hell, that's the head coach in a nutshell. He's Mr. Go for it. How about you, Chris Ballard? A little bit of go for it now? Not so much trading back and value this and value that? Yeah, I know. I, I'm a non-soft drink drinker any longer, so... Yeah, Dr. Thunder is the only generic brand I can think of. Remember back in the 90s, maybe even in the late 80s, Kroger had like, it was just cost-cutter beer. It was in yellow cans. Cost-cutter beer. You ever have, what's the cheapest beer? I better not even, forget it, don't go there. Don't even answer that. (laughs) We'll probably get in trouble for that. Cost cutter beer. And Kroger, it was in a yellow can, and Kroger used to have the cost cutter. Yeah, by the way, Kroger, I don't know how much cost is being cut right now. I was in there yesterday. Whoa, I cannot. Don't make me pay four twenty nine for crackers, for God's sake. What happened to the days of two ninety nine for crackers? No, two forty nine. I want to go back to two forty nine for crackers. Can't go four twenty nine for crackers, Kroger. All right, we got some anything goes. See, that's a little bit of a lead in right there. Little anything goes on the other side. Your chance at Little Feet and Los Lobos tickets as well. Time on the clock six twenty three. A little over 20 minutes with anything goes. If you're on hold, we'll get to you. If you're not, get there at 239-1070. Anything goes next. The Ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It sounds like so many things goes about 20 minutes or so on the clock. Brought to you by our friends at Live Nation, Little Feet Live in Concert. Special guest Los Lobos coming to the Everwise Amphitheater at White River State Park, an incredible venue. June the 20th, celebrating 50 years of their unique California rock, upbeat jazz sound, and tickets for Little Feet are on sale now at LiveNation.com. Our friends Kyle and Jimmy and the gang and Live Nation, always incredibly awesome to the show. Somebody can win those tickets at the end of Anything Goes. Mike writes this, as impressive as the Pacers win last night, how about Ben Shepard? 
Nobody has really claimed the position at starting two guard. Kid is playing really well. I think he's in a really good spot to where he is right now. Framer and Irvington, I would say this, Mike. I would say he just put together some consistency, and that's why I thought last night was their best win of the season because I have been shouting and crying and whining about consistency, and they really gave it to you from start to finish in all facets. Offensively, pace of the game, shot-making, rebounding, defense, defense late, defense of the second half versus Luka. All things consistently wise, we want to measure as I thought high level. That's what I'm looking for right there. JMV, even now when I play, my game shoes have never been on anything but a wood floor. I wear other shoes to the gym and change when I get there. Bob, that's because you are a lover of basketball and a smart individual that knows. And if you're like me, say, for example, I was at Southport, I mentioned that, for the semi-state, and after the Center Grove-Franklin girls game, um, I watched fans just walk right across the middle of the floor. drove me insane. That's just me. So I've equated that to court storming. Just keep your street shoes off of any basketball court. I know some circumstances, like if you have one court and you've got a PE class, all right. Most of that does not exist any longer because most schools have multi-courts. And by the way, keep those multi-courts because it is becoming more difficult to do anything because of the incredible emergence of pickleball. Pickleball is robbing us of our pickup game heritage in Indiana. And I am not anti-pickleball, but build your own, get your own. Don't blank around with our basketball surfaces, please. With your pickleball. I'm not against it. I just don't. It's taken over. I think it's completely taken over. Lifetime fitness, right? Lifetime fitness on the north side in Castleton. Is it all pickleball and no basketball? Can't have it. Hey, Boilermakers, a big win yesterday. Pacers, as I mentioned, a big win yesterday. Uh, IU, Butler, not so much on Saturday. I don't know how much more there is to talk about IU. I've kind of been on the down low with IU. It is going to be one of those, I'll believe it when I see it, if they're good again anytime soon. And I don't know how in the world this thing is ever going to work in present condition. And you can take that for whatever it's worth. Even when you had one production-wise, one of the best that ever played at IU, and I know a lot of people I call him soft, and a lot of people are stupid. But the value of Trace Jackson Davis, and still, like last year, winning one game, and that's it for the tournament. 
A lot of people think they have the answers out there. I don't think any of you have any answers. Here's the one thing. I get this all the time. Like somebody had sent me, hey, do you think your buddy Dusty May would want the job? I don't talk to him about that job because he's got enough on his hands right now with Florida Atlantic because they've gone to a school that nobody even knew played basketball to the Final Four last year to now you lose yesterday in Memphis and you get IU jackasses saying that he can't coach any longer and he's lucky. Yeah, that's that's what I want. I want that. I want to have to sift through phone calls and jackassery like that with a guy that I know here. That's what I want. Now that's selfish of me, but that's yeah. He's not a good coach. Not a good coach. I don't know who would be the right choice there if they decide to make a change. And I'm assuming the only way they even consider it is if they lose out. It certainly looks like a squad that has the capabilities of losing out, however. You believe that about Dusty? Let's get that about Dusty May, your buddy. I always get that, your buddy. Uh, Dusty actually is my buddy. When you reference Miles Turner as my buddy, we have never met face-to-face. Only in interviews. Your buddy, I don't want to see him in Bloomington. He just got lucky last year. He's showing this year what he is. Well, you're a dumbass. You didn't even know Florida Atlantic existed until last year. Oh, yeah, Florida Atlantic. Tougher conference. Everybody's eyeballing you. Your bullseye, much different. All right, 239-1070. We've got some anything goes. We've got some tickets to give away. Let's start with uh, Todd at 239-1070. Hello, Todd. How are you? Hello, my friend. You sound much better. I feel much better. Thank you very much. You, uh, you Knowing you, you probably have like an Ironman competition this weekend. Well, <laughs> I will say this. This is funny, and people down the hall are going to laugh. I, like they were telling me, they were advising me against doing JME Takeover. And I think the reason why I did it is because they were advi- advising against it. <laughs> <laughs> I think if they would have not said anything, I would have probably said, yeah, you know what? Maybe I'll take the weekend off. But they were advising yeah. against it, so I did it. So I did it, and I felt really, I felt good because I got back in the groove a little bit. I was a little lost last week, a little bit lost. Shining up to the new owners, I get it. Hey, um, yep. hey, um, I'll give you my two cents. I think the best pace will win this year. This is straight sports. It's really not anything that goes. But I thought so. Boston's lost two games all year. They two of them were to the Pacers. But I thought the first victory we beat them by ten points. It was during the in season tournament. No, it was that Monday night when the place was rocking like docking. Yes, right, yeah. right, right. And and Boston wanted to win that game. They weren't. I mean, they had their starters on the floor in the last 90 seconds. So um, I tell you, I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's all subjective, of course. And I understand all the comments you've made about last night's win and, and how, how good it was and how big it was. Yep. But I'm telling you what, that's to me, that is our best win of the year was beating Boston by 10. The second Boston win was a little controversial. It was the Jalen Brown non-call. It was the Matherin call. And, you know, that was the one that the, you know, whatever the the the, the NBA kind of said. Well, all right, we missed messed up, but um, just my, my 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 two cents here. Hey, somebody earlier mentioned um, a, a wrestling a bear. Okay. Yes. If you remember that, and if I don't know if you remember this or not, um, again, I've, I'm a few years older than you, but Chet Kopic actually wrestled that bear. 
I, I think it was in Market Square. Yeah, from Channel 13. Chet Copper yeah, back um, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he actually wrestled that bear. The Because uh, we all, back then, everybody had, like, these guys. I mean, all the time, it was it was Hine, it was Copic, it was Sorensen. We remember them all. I mean, they were all... They were all they were all doing the job, but another nostalgic throwback, and I think some of this went back to the Coliseum, and some of it was a Market Square. But do you remember Dancing Harry? Um, yes. It is, yes. And his signature song was a Leo Sayer song called "Long Tall Glasses." Um, <laughs> I'm not making this up. No, I know. You, you yeah. know what I'm right? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes, I love Leo Sayer too. By the way, well done. That would be that would be, and I'm sure Dancing Harry is no longer breathing. But um, <laughs> that would be that would be the ultimate throwback. Um, I, I love the semi semi pro uh, reference. Oh yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's and that's what that came from. Like, there are so many things that would not fly. I was thinking about this the other day um, when I worked with Mark. We rarely talked about it, but when he was back doing the Bob and Tom show, this was the late '80s when he first started doing it. He had that and developed that character Warren. War and Peace, right. remember War and Peace? And he was, it was, and he did a thing with the ice called Score on Warren. And I was at a, an ice game once, and he was doing that during one of the intermissions. And there's something else that wouldn't fly today, right there. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it was fun for the time and nostalgic. <laughs> I appreciate it, my friend. You got it, Todd. You call any time. It is anything goes at two three nine, ten seventy. Josh is on here next. Hello, Josh. Welcome to the show. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh, real honest, man, I'm calling for those Little Feet tickets. You know what I mean? I'd love to have a hot sports take, but I tend to agree with you about on everything you say. <laughs> Is that trying to nose your way in to get those tickets? Is that what you're doing? I mean, I could name drop a little bit. Six degrees separated from Holverson a little bit here. On oh, the- really? Wait a minute. We've got a we got a connection with Holverson? I play, I play in a band with Kelly Eisenhower. Well, Kelly Eisenhower's the best. Yeah, ain't he, though? Yes, he is. Just a great guy <laughs> and entertaining as hell. He is like a human jukebox. I know. He keeps me on my toes as a bass player. I'll give him that. Tell you what, put him on hold here, James. Take his number, and that may be the call at the end right there. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say for sure, but that may be the call right there. He had Kelly Eisenhower and Brent Halverson. And the same call. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Man, that was a good time at GG's on Friday. Love seeing everybody up there. Thank you very much, Kelly. Man the rope. No street shoes on any basketball court ever. Just get that little yellow rope out there that burns your hands if you're not wearing gloves and you're holding it. Put that son of a gun up. JMV, could you see Chris Holtman, Thad Motter, or Bob Huggins at IU? That'd be a no, a no, and a no. A no, a no, and a no. Well, your bunny, Dusty May, when I read that stuff, that's exactly how I envision the voice sounding. And your bunny, Dusty May... Clearly can't coach anymore. Yeah, he can't coach anymore, jackasses. <laughs> That's how he's writing. You're typing that out or thumbing that out. And your buddy, Dusty May. Yeah, it's funny. 
Hey, JMV, I love my local Brown County YMCA, but they have an elderly exercise class, kids, and like three different pickleball groups on the ball court all day. Always slicker than snot. Sweet. Despite the new wax, only the hoopers change their shoes first. I'm glad you feel the same way I do, Fowler. JMV, I'd be good with a sign-in trade. Oh, by the way, my dad would dig for change in the couch to buy some Kroger cost-cutter beer. (laughs) Those were tough times. Outstanding. BTR's on the show next. Hello, BTR. What's up, JMV? How you doing, BTR? You are in rare form today. Rare form, BTR, is what we're calling it. Um... I just want to, yeah, back you up, Chris Ballard. Please do not trade down that 15th pick. There is plenty of stuff there that we need, and it's going to be a powerful draft, and don't do it. And as far as the gym courts go, yes, uh, back in the 80s here at Sheridan, um, we had a coach. We had our floor redone, and he refused to have anything like that damage that new court. Exactly. That's how and it should be. Yes. That's how and it should be. For years. Yeah. I and so, and I, I would put that in terms of collegiately you know, yet another reason why you keep students off the floor. Are you gonna store. try to get Ballard next week too? Well, it's interesting you say that. I think he's on with the morning well, show on Thursday. I've got Shane Steichen on Wednesday. Yes. Because I think he had such an enjoyable time last year at the Combine with me that maybe he just could not he, – he didn't want to just overjoy himself two consecutive years. Who has more word answers, Shane Steichen or Chris Ballard? No, Ballard will go on forever. He won't tell you anything, but he'll go on forever. Like, like there are a lot of people that think he lets you behind the curtain or he's transparent. He's not going to tell you anything that he doesn't want you to know. He's no more transparent than, than anybody else, but he understands the game of it. He understands that you would rather, when you ask him a question, not have a five-word answer. He's he's good at doing that, but he hasn't been so good at the GM and thing, um, at least in terms of results, which they're working on right now, whereas Shane Steichen, you're hoping that he gives those short answers, but he's a lot better when it comes to coaching things up. So there's a trade. Best available 15 because – Hey, I, I wish, I so wish, and it is such a ridiculous fan guy pipe dream right here, BTR, but I wish they would show us a you know what and and take a you know take a chance at, at Marvin Harrison Jr. somehow in some way. I and, do and, too. and pay the price of it and and go and for somebody so that looks like that they're transformational there. That would be so great. I'm trying to – thank you, BTR, for the call. I'm starting to uh, give myself a bit of a uh, sports arousal with that. You know, normally, this time of year, I come up with those things. And I say this all the time. This is the time of year we're getting into it, right? We have all this casual conversation about free agency and about what the Colts might do, what they should do. And I always remind you at this time, about 90% of this is a complete and utter waste of breath. 
because they do nothing of the sort. So just reminding you of that. Now, there's a lot of talk, whether you're talking sports or news or especially political hack talk. There's a lot of that that ends up being wasted breath. But this is a great time of year where we're really interested, entertained about what's going on. However, it probably won't happen. 90%. Carl's up next on Anything Goes. Hello, Carl. Hey, John. It's your buddy, Carl. How you doing? Is this Carl? Yes. You hear me, John? I got you, Carl. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going? Hey, um, am I crazy or is this uh, boys' high school basketball sectionals regional time of year? Oh, no. It's it's weird because normally, yeah, we'd be getting into the warmer. T- Hell, this is like the start of baseball in high school. I mean, this is like this is like that special day in April or early May is what you got out there today. This is certainly not – I'm assuming you brought this up because this is not sectional type of weather for the boys, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Normal. Um, it should should be should be in a couple days. Though. Yeah, it will. I think by Wednesday it will trickle back down to that, but then get a little bit warmer as the week moves on. So that's good. Is there? Um, I know Halliburton's going to all these games, but is there a, a game that you're going to go to? Well, I mean, I went to the semi-state. I couldn't go. And congratulations to our, our girl state final winner. Certainly in four A, I saw. Lawrence Central play a half of basketball in the, the semi-state, and uh, they were beyond legit. You saw that then, and and they backed that up you know, on Saturday with that win. But, yeah, th- this is going to be – you look at some of these matchups early. There's some of the better matchups around the state that we have seen, I think, early in a long time, especially around here. Some really good stuff. I looked up online trying to find when these these boys games were, but it's not the easiest thing to look at. John uh, Harrell, John Harrell's website will have it for you. Have you ever been there? No, sir. John Harrell, uh, go to John Harrell. Uh, I think it's called. Hold on a second. Indiana boys basketball. It's John Harrell's Indiana boys basketball, and he'll have the schedule there for you. He is Mom. a genius. And that's why that's why I called because uh, you're a genius as well, John. Um, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate you. I am, as they like to say, dumb as a stump. Thank you, Carl. What happened there? Thank you. Thank you, bud. I tried to drop that and it didn't. It's turning this like really strange urine color here. What is that? Like somewhere between green and it's like if you just ate spinach. <laughs> what is this color right here? I just ate spinach urine right here. What is that? Is that an actual color? There it is. All right. I'm really bright. Uh, Daryl's up next. Hello, Daryl. Hey, brother. How you doing? Great. Glad to hear you back out in the air, man. Thank you, Daryl. Great call on Saturday night, too, with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Hey, you, you know, you do such a great job. A lot of Uber drivers and Lyft drivers listen to you. Love that, night. too. Love you guys. What do you got, buddy? Hey, uh, first of all, Dollar General, box of crackers for buck twenty-five. Can't go wrong. <laughs> wait, wait, where'd you get that? Dollar what? General. Oh, yeah, you're right. Dollar Show. Yeah, yeah, I do love Dollar General. I love it too because I think before too long that we're all going to have our own Dollar General stores. They're going to build so many. We're all going to have our own. There you go. Hey, I'll be surprised if Ballard uh, tags uh, Pittman Jr. I, it, it's it goes outside everything he believes in. I just I just don't see him making making that 
you know. I think the only way that they do it is if he wants to buy himself a little bit more time and then get something like sticking to it. I would doubt as you do, but buying yourself a little bit more time to get something done and, and not be completely on the free or the, uh, the the free, I guess, not being on the franchise tag clock, if you will, and giving a little bit more time to get something done and not having him go through free agency. I could see that. Awesome. One last thing. Yep. Uh, I know you talk to your people at Live Nation all the time. How come there's such a... A, a lack of uh, country western talent performing out at Ruoff this year. I will have to ask. I'm not sure I've noticed, but I'll ask. Yeah, they only got two concerts out there. I'll check it out, Daryl. Thank you for the call, buddy. Have a good one, brother. You be careful. There's anything goes. That's a weird green color right there. All right, Josh going to be the winner. Little Feet, Los Lobos. Thank you, Live Nation. Love you guys. You think one of these days that we all will have our very own Dollar General store. I think, like a, seriously. Like a yeah. personal Dollar General I mean, there, store? It's almost like that. It's almost like one to a family the way that it is. Yeah, okay. There's a Dollar General store like every mile. That's fair. I think one of these days we'll all have our own very, very own Dollar General store. I'd be fine with that. James, great job. Dennis Dodd, Stephen Holder, Jeremiah Johnson, and Dane Brugler. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Pacer Hoops, bottom of the hour. Pacers and Raptors will have a reaction to that coming up tomorrow with three. Enjoy the weather. Have a great night. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.